Welcome to a very special podcast intro from a park up the street from the Austin airport. I am recording this intro because you are supposed to be getting a regularly scheduled book review from the Talent Code, but the universe had other plans because I was supposed to be home last night and the earliest flight that can get me home is Friday. And so I got four more days in Austin, Texas to make the most out of and then I'm on my way home. So we have to insert a very special episode with one of my dear friends, one of my closest friends, one of my mentors, one of my teachers, my homie, my man, the incredible Scott Jackson. And today's podcast is incredible. And don't worry, we will be getting back to regularly scheduled programming of the talent code and then all the interviews are coming back. But on today's episode with Scott, we talk about how discipline is not about intensity, it's all about consistency, how we project our trauma out into the world until we heal it, how our perception is projection, which creates a reflection back to us, how we can collapse gaps in between actions and how it's the fastest path to clarity. We talk about masculine energy, how to break it down, how to utilize it, and then we talk about how much time I really spend embodying, believing, and aligning to my vision. And Scott is literally one of the best NLP teachers in the world. He is a master practitioner. He is a healer. He is incredible. And when this man talks, I listen, which is why he's my neighbor, and I spend as much time listening as possible. So I love you all. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Send all the positive vibes that the universe gets me home when I need to be home. But either way, I'm just going to smile into this. Enjoy every minute and you should go enjoy the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good, because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. I am stoked. You are noticing that I am doing a lot more of these in person, so it's not like I can hide from who's in front of you unless you don't know the man of mystery, uh, or if you're listening to this, I'll get to that in a minute, uh, but I'm, I'm stoked. I love the in-person conversations, especially there with like my brother, people that I love, admire dearly, and family like today's guest, and so I'm pretty mm. stoked. There's nothing else on my calendar today except an in-person podcast with the man, the myth, the legend today. My brother from another mother, my soul brother, <laughs> a man that I love, respect. He's family. His beautiful, his beautiful partner is family. We shoot together. We talk. We do breath work, men's work, run business, do the impact in the world. He's one of the wisest men and best mm. in the game at NLP that I've ever seen. Mm. And so without further ado, the, the absolute walking definition of a renaissance man, Scott Jackson, <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Wow, brother. I don't have any, like, I need the, like, ding, 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 <laughs> sound effects, but I haven't put the board out here yet. Okay. Well, I, I think there was enough fire in that that we don't even need a sound effect. Man. I haven't even, like, I'm only a half a <laughs> coffee in. I don't, I was, I was literally contemplating before we started. I was like, do I want to sweat in this interview today? And I was like, I think I'm going to go the chill route. Okay. <laughs> Typically, I gauge my energy on my podcast or my keynotes based on how many t-shirts I'm going to sweat through. Really? Yeah. It's a joke at the events now. <laughs> so like at the end of the day, like yeah. it'll be like a really good day. And like someone will be like, I have a question. How many t-shirts was it today? And I was like, this is my fourth one. 
Wow, so you just soak like four t-shirts. Like, because we'll do like, you know, I typically you do my content in like 90 minute to two hour chunks. Yep. And so if I'm facilitating that whole one and I'm doing like an exercise or I'm teaching, yeah. I will I will literally burn 700 to 900 calories in that two hour block. Yeah. And so, yeah, it'll be the equivalent of me like running. Oh, man. you I mean, you have so much fire energy, bro. You bring it. Right. So I'm not surprised. Dude, I don't know what it is, though. It's like... <laughs> It's like when I, you know me, like uh, I've been so. at your house a ton yeah, man. and you've seen like the real me. I've seen the other side, man. You've I, I've seen, seen the other oh, side. Oh, for sure, man. And I try to tell people and they're like, I don't believe you. Because you serve so much. I mean, your life is a life of service, man. And you, and so it's like, I think it's a rare gift to get to actually be with you in your internal place and in your, and you're like, you know, kind yep. of the water energy, right? Where yep. you start to cool down and just go inside and like it's, yep. and we just chill. Little insider secret. So uh -huh. Scott only lives 90 minutes away from me. He used yep. to live in Austin and we became friends through some of my deeply dear respected mutual friends For that sure. also have the same relationship. So it was like an instant bomb, but he lives like 90 minutes away. So He's been on the other side because I go up to his house to fill my bucket and I've literally been in their house for two days and probably spoken a sentence. Yeah. And then I was like, this is, yeah, yep, this is the other side. And like, yeah. I even noticed like, I actually love this side. Yeah. I just don't ever get to be in it that much with people. I know. And like at this last event, my staff's like, how are you about your space? I was like, anybody can come over to our house. Everybody just needs to be out by like 11 PM. Yeah. And it was my favorite because I just sat in the corner of the couch and I listened to like 20 people from the event, right? Yeah. The staff, my speakers, you were telling me about that, yeah. sharing stories yeah. and laughing. And I'm just like, God, this is my favorite. I'm not speaking. I know, but I just get to listen. And it was so nice. Like it filled my bucket so much. Yeah. And I like love those moments. You know, I, for sure, man. And it's interesting. We were just, we did some, we had a friend in to the ranch this weekend and we actually, she brought a, an incredible idea um, that our presence with, and it's been like beautiful. And it's what you're talking about. But the, she actually said giving and receiving are not two different routes. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's the same channel. Mm -hmm. And when you can open that up, right, that you can mm -hmm. give while receiving. And I was mm -hmm. like, wow, that's beautiful, right? So even while I'm giving, I also can be receiving. Thousand percent. Yep. I, that's, how it, that's how it feels for me. But I think what's so interesting and in an awareness I'm having is that like by nature when I, I think about this, because you know, people always put themselves in like, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert, sure, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert. Yeah. You know, like I used to put that label on, but like what I've just really been aware of is like, I'm whatever is required when my gas tank mm -hmm. is giving me a notice and it's either full and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm ready to give, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, you're at a quarter tank. And I'm like, oh, I got to go in a little bit. Like yeah. I got to go fill my bucket and recharge. See, it, it's, and that's a gift, man, to have that level of thinking and that level of self-awareness to know like, wow, I'm, I'm giving, but I'm, I'm going down and I need to come back and retract and be in me, right? Be still yeah. and gain and gather. And just like, for me, it's, you know, it's a divine, like self-love process to do that. Right? For sure. Oh, and it's definitely, and I'm glad you said self-love because it's reflective because I think, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, you know, you've been in this game longer than I have. Um, we've been dancing in life relatively similar past, but sure. you have a lot more experience in this. And like, you know, we go through these these waves. Right. For and sure. I think for me, you know, I would always recognize like we would always recognize, oh, we're getting burnt out. We're going too much yeah. like we're we're doing these things. But then I would make it wrong. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, and that was like, that was like trigger point one yeah. that should have been like, oh, the check engine lights on. And, sure. I, and I was like, oh, 
I'm destroying the one thing that's supposed to be creating these results and I'm yeah. going to justify it as hustle. Yeah. Right. And then that would then like tilt it over and then I'd try to look at it and I would just look in the shortest comparison window. Like I'd be looking at the next like two minutes. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Zoom out a little bit. Right. My whole life is over. Like in the next two minutes. <laughs> For sure. All my money is going to get embezzled. My wife is going to leave. All my furniture is going to be on the end of the curb. Every one of my clients is going to fire me. Dude, you're laughing. This is true. No, it's like such a swing, right? To this, right? like the sky's falling. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> instantly. Instantly. And then it would like take more energy and drain me. And then what it took me so long to recognize is that the reason it was causing it is because I was drained in the first place. Yeah. And so I'm so like. That's a good yeah good self-awareness there right well because it was like well, your already a tank was already empty right my tank was empty yeah. and, and so the car was per like it was basically weak it was yeah. vulnerable because yeah. i'm not driving down the road i'm just on the side of the yeah. road yeah and i'm just stranded there just taking everything that comes in you know there's something you said at the beginning of that man that was like but you used to make yourself wrong and that's so important because that's a part of our journey yes like moving from our wounds moving from the wounds of childhood adolescence even young adulthood wherever those wounds are right like there's a I think all of us in some way go through the process of, of self-shaming. I'm For wrong, sure. you know, and it's like, that's, and as long as we keep doing that, we keep ourselves in the, the dichotomy, right. Yep. Of like, I'm, I'm bad. I'm wrong versus, Oh no, now I'm good. I'm okay. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. <laughs> I related this in my brain the other day to me being a character mm -hmm. in the book rather than the author. Wow. Right. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's what it was like that dichotomy yep. for me. And here, here's the, here's the interesting part. And like, this is, Scott knows us. I'm sure we'll talk about it. We've, we've both been in a period in the last, uh, let's call it two years since knowing each other. Yeah. Like I'd say we met on in the arena Yeah, in, in both sure. of our lives. For sure. Um, and we'll talk about yours and I'm sure we'll talk in about the arena in the, like the warrior content, the warrior archetype of our, of our experience in that moment. Like right? in life. Yeah. For right. Sure. And I mean, the, sure. the, what felt like the world on both of us Fuck yeah, man. And, and even in like supporting each other. Yeah. Um, God, I was just reflecting on that for a minute. Yeah. Be with that, man. Oh, I, I am. It's just <laughs> interesting because everything feels like unicorns and rainbows right now. I know, right? <laughs> it really is. And I'm like, oh, it's like when I increase the time measurement window and I see it as a moment. Mm -hmm. um, but what I would, oh, what I was saying about that is that what I used to think is that when I was having the thought of like I was bad or wrong is mm -hmm. that I was missing something. Mm. Sure. What I was missing is that the bad and wrong thought was the check engine light. Wow. Wow. It is the thing to say, hey, stop, stop, pause, stop, right? pause, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's what was missing was yeah. perspective. Yeah. Because I was just in fight or flight. Yeah. And so the reason I say that is like, I've been so bullish with everybody lately mm -hmm. about like stillness. <laughs> you have. And about like just feeling your emotions and acknowledging them. Yeah. And I know this is something that is huge for you. And it's probably been like an undertone for the, success that you've had in kind of the fires you've been walking for sure and so i just kind of wanted your thoughts on that because we talked about the the negative self-talk yeah and then like for me now when i recognize it's funny i joke about it because it still comes up like 35 times a day yeah but i'm like oh that's hilarious oh i know what i'm supposed to be focused on there you go right and i get i get into that but i kind of love your thoughts because you're a master at this well thank you brother um you know i guess so I, you know, my, my path started 20 years ago, officially in, in the path of recovery, yep. right? And um, I got sober April 9th, 2003. I had brain damage, kidney damage, liver damage. I was right at the door of death. And uh, my 
my desperation to change, uh, my desperation to be sober, my desperation mm-hmm. to actually live became mm-hmm. the most paramount thing in my life. And, mm-hmm. and that changed the direction of everything for me. And I had no idea that the pursuit of that through the recovery process would become my spiritual path. Mm-hmm. And, and so in that, having been, you know, had no relationship spiritually or with God before that ever personally, um, that I, I kind of entered that space in a blank canvas. Like yep. I was like, you can just paint me whatever God is, right? Like I'll, I'd go anywhere. Somebody said, I'd say, go to the synagogue, go to the this place, go to the temple, and I'll just go. And so it, in those first few years, it was um, it really my, my relationship was through two things with that I've started to build with self, right? With higher self was um, in, in serving others in the recovery space mm-hmm. and through prayer mm-hmm. and through lots of prayer and reading of things that helped me pray, learn to pray. And then uh, one of my profound teachers, man, um, a guy named Mark Houston, who's no longer with us, but right when we started our relationship, um, this was like 2006, he said, uh, Scott, how, how much do you meditate? I said, what, what's meditation? I don't meditate. And he goes, well, now you do. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, and you start with three minutes a day and you just get still and you focus on your breath. And what you're going to notice at first is that there's going to be the chatter of a thousand monkeys because that's your life. Yep. That's your whole reality yep. is this chaos and mind and franticness and fear. And, and it said, you're going to learn to get still and go inside. And I started with three minutes and man, and it was like I was in, you know, like Shea Stadium with everybody screaming. It was that loud yep. in my brain, man, in my body, you know, and then but I, I didn't quit because Mark had this incredible teaching, which was discipline is the horse I ride. I was man. waiting for it. <laughs> you know, discipline. I was waiting for it. <laughs> And, and, and so he modeled excellence in spiritual discipline. He modeled excellence in everything he did for me. Yeah. And this was the first real example I'd seen of that. So I just started doing what he told me to do, man. Yeah. I just followed instruction from a place of humility and, and what would, ha- and that's now 17 years ago. And so the process of, of being still going inside, learning to be in the discomfort of myself, the pain, the the discomfort, the fear, the anxiety into that to go deeper than that um, has become a process, right, yeah. over the years and a discipline. Yeah. And just like you do stillness every day. And I love that about you. It's one of the things I so prof- I just respect so many things about you, man, because I love you so much. And you're such a, you know, can I cuss on here? Yeah. Of okay. Course. You're, you're, I've already cussed. Okay. Because I'm like going to cry, man. You're such a fucking you're so fucking amazing what you give to people man like the you're a warrior you're a king bro like how you live like just touches my heart you know so like to to see you um like take to be such a brilliant mind in in marketing and creating what you create and inspire in the world i mean i'm just i I seriously i'm so blown away by you on a regular basis but to know that you you right from the outset when you start teaching people you say hey man get still yeah like you're you're telling them like you're telling them things that are going to ascend their emotional and spiritual wellness yeah and and you're doing in the context of business yeah well because here's that's profound here's the thing it's uh the only reason I have the clarity is because I'm willing to sit still while I look at your business yeah. well in the middle of the storm that I'm in. Yeah. Right. That's a gift. Right. And like, well, here, here's the, the, here's the truth. Like one of the things that helped me very early on in this was recognizing that my gift is speaking to people, no, right? Like sure. I can, I, I'm good at business and teaching it and yep. clarity and marketing and all that stuff. 1000%. Yeah. But if I am not in the room, mm-hmm. I don't get paid, right? Like yeah. if there is any part of me that is not in that room, if my head uh, is thinking about 
my wife being mad at me? Yeah. Is my kid okay? Yeah. Like the amount of presence for me to like think about playing Monopoly with somebody's 20 million, 30 million, 40 million dollar company. It feels like it doesn't feel like war. It, fe- it and it doesn't feel like a battle. It feels like one of the hardest Japanese masogis I could do every time I do it. Wow. Like it feels like there's an imminent like there's an eight out of 10 chance of failure is what wow. it feels like every wow. time. Wow. Right. And so like, and that I, just brings you into presence. It like, does. Like it totally. Does. You, there, get 100%. It. It, it, yep. you also understand why I love long range yeah. meditative shooting and you, you know, yeah, I am, man. right. And so, <laughs> yeah. so what, what, what actually started to happen when Lindsay and I were in really rough places, I'm overweight. I lost all the companies. I started to recognize that if I wasn't all the way in the room, I couldn't get paid and I didn't have any money. Wow. And so I had to start figuring out, how to like get all the way in the room and um oh god oh. god i'm just like thinking about all that again um, <laughs> brought a little something there still huh? and what was really really interesting is that just by force mm-hmm. i couldn't get in the room unless i talked about my feelings and that was the one thing it's like if i was just ruminating my brain before i was about to go into a client yeah i couldn't go in like i would say something i would miss something for sure and it cost me money a of lot course. of money and potentially my reputation but i saved every one of them just for the record did. um <laughs> um but that's when i started just recording the audio notes of how i felt and instead of going to the person that I had the emotion with, I just expressed it with mm-hmm. myself. I'm like, God, I'm just so fucking pissed right now. Like when she did this and he said this yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then I'd finished recording it. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I'm upset about it, but I'm not really like, it's not in control of me anymore. And then yeah. I was able to go in the room yeah. and it just started working like so effortlessly every single time. Yeah. And then I started recognizing that when people started coming to me for coaching, the more present I was, the more clarity I had for them. Yeah. And so I just started. Like so it just flows through, right? I just started yeah. putting containers around it. So if I had check engine lights coming on, rather than pretending they're not there, I'm like, oh, let's see if I can get this out. Yeah. Like, what is this? There's yeah. a reason it's coming up. God, I love that, man. And so it was kind of like put on me by force. But when you talk about discipline, I was having this thought when you were speaking. And, and I, I used to think freedom was waking up with no agenda like nothing sure and i thought that was being but i realized that that wasn't being no because i was I, I wasn't really creating anything i wasn't moving anything i wasn't expressing anything like i'm just there and i'm like i have a, I have children i have friends i have people yeah and then i, I it really because obviously my relationship with discipline I would say probably came in one of the most toxic manners possible to yeah. be taught to you, sure. which is go from homelessness to the United States Marine Corps for 13 years. <laughs> there you go. I mean, a, it's one learning on discipline, right? And be for a sure. 29 year old grown man that gets treated like he's 11 yep. and gets paid to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I, I very, I very much had like an unhealthy relationship with discipline. Because I was, it was toxic, right? Yeah. It was black or white, all or nothing, and sometimes abusive. Abusive right? for, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then I really like all the pieces started to come together, and I realized that I was like, when I lost that rigidity, discipline, <clears throat> discipline was about consistency, not about intensity. There you go. And I love your quote because obviously I've heard you say that I don't know 
eleven hundred times, <laughs> and you're and you can laugh because you've heard me say the same eighty five things twenty seven thousand times yeah, or more yeah. or more. <laughs> so like I realize that you're losing this game. You're you're a victim of <laughs> no, this I'm, one. I'm winning too much. Um, but when when I heard you say that, and I really started reflecting, you know, the reason I became so bullish on awareness. And the reason I try to break things down for analogies is so when I get triggered Mm -hmm. in my business, in my life, that Mm -hmm. I don't have a place to hide with my bullshit. Good for you. And so if I'm like, oh, every trigger is a check engine light, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I have to fix every one of them, but I do have to diagnose them. And if I just look for one minute and I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I'm angry about this thing. And I was like, that thing's three weeks away. I can't even do anything. Just that awareness can transmute them so many times, like right away, right? Well, yeah. and, that, and that's what I was talking about. So like what would happen to me is that as an entrepreneur, I think mm-hmm. very much like you is I'd get so overwhelmed mm-hmm. and so unexpressed mm-hmm. that I would be like, all right, I'm going to go work out like a machine. Yeah. I'm going to go blank like a machine. And then, you know, five minutes into a sweat, mm-hmm. I instantly had all the clarity in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? I felt better because yeah. I expressed. For sure. But then it was still being reactive. Mm. Right. It yeah. was always waiting till it was boiled over. And the triage nurse is like, hey, listen, you need yeah. to do something. Yeah. Because I always thought it had to be something so hard. Because I, I get that. I didn't realize that all I was doing was I was physically forcing my body into presence. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing anything. I couldn't do anything else. And so then when I started the stillness, it wasn't about meditating. Mm-hmm. It was literally just acknowledging how I felt. Beautiful. In that moment. Beautiful. And so like I was on the road a lot. So I'd wake up in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. I would literally open the balcony. Every mm-hmm. hotel room, I get a balcony in some city, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, oh, I'll look at Chicago. I'll look at Austin. I'll look mm-hmm. at whatever. And I would open the balcony. I would just sit there for 15 minutes. I'm like, how do I feel about today? Beautiful. And I'm like, God, I really miss my kids. And I was like, I'm a little nervous. I was like, I'm also really fucking excited. And I would just like sit there for a minute. And like, I, I would always remember after like maybe two or three questions to myself, I just remember just existing. Yeah. And I'm like, and I would hit a point and I'm like, it's time to go. And this it is beautiful. And it was like, this is my workout for the day, right? Yeah. Like whatever I got yeah. to in that moment, that clarity, like I know my actions, like I know I have to go do this consulting. I have to break down current state. I got to design a customer journey. I got to get into a lawsuit. Like I already know what's on my table, mm-hmm. but now I'm aware of like who I am when I play today. Yeah. And then that has been like all of it. So like the reason I'm so obsessive is like that that space for mm-hmm. me has been where, for lack of better terms, I've been trying to look at myself like in every moment of my life, if I'm the triage nurse, I win. Beautiful. Because the more aware of the situation I am. the I mean, Of course, the more you can resolve it or dissipate it or just mm-hmm. present. I mean, you know, like this is, um, so what you're talking about is, is so profound and early like, I hope everybody gets the, the how big a deal this is. But I don't how, even get it. Yet. Here's how here's how it's a big deal to me um, because I'm present to a, a dawning of a new age of masculinity mm-hmm. that's happening right now, mm-hmm. and there are are the, which is shedding the wounds of the old masculine, the old mm-hmm. paradigm of masculine, the superiority, the rigidity, the control, like many of the th- the fear, the anger, so many things that are a part of the old paradigm of masculinity and so much disconnection with personal emotion or the ability to go beyond the kind of primal uh, reactions of fear and anger, right? Into, uh, into more of a feminine energy, into a tenderness, to an accepting, to an embracing of how we feel. Like an embodiment. An embodiment. But, but here's the thing that you're stopping every time to just go, what do I feel? Yeah. 
what's happening in me right now? Yeah. And then not having to do anything about that all the time because the doing is masculine, the holding is feminine, yep. right? So going yep. into it with that and just being like, okay, I feel I, I miss my kids. Yep. I feel scared about this presentation, but I'm also excited to tell about the day and like being with that. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. there's a lot of us in our growth as men that we don't have that awareness yet. Right? I want to talk about some real quick because I think you said something and I want to, I want to clarify because I don't necessarily agree on like the, the old paradigm of masculinity being those things. I feel like it depends on what old version is being referenced. Sure. And because well, let's I, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I feel like, and I just want to summarize, like, I feel like a lot of the traits that you described, I, 1000% agree with that. I just wouldn't mm. call them masculinity. Okay. I would never say in the definition of masculinity, it's like been based in fear. Sure. I well, fe- yeah. yeah. Okay. So I guess I, it, this filters all through my experience. Right? So can and, I, well, I just want to talk about quickly, cause I yeah. think specifically, I want to just talk about like how I've seen it show up in the world right now in okay. reference, like for me, like sure. I want to hear. for example, when I started as an entrepreneur, uh-huh. I was the upsell guy. I was the no refund guy. I was the I get it. You know, oh, you come to me and I would gaslight you back guy. Yep. Right. Got it. All of that. That I would consider like toxic as shit, mm-hmm. you know, masculinity mm-hmm. on my side mm-hmm. versus kind of how I do business now. Yep. Is that kind of what you're referencing? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And and I don't necessarily so because I'm a I'm a language guy. Right? I know you are. And I also know that you said something about labels earlier. Anytime, so linguistically, neurologically, what happens when we give a label mm-hmm. that label then creates an in what we call an internal representation yep. so how we see how we feel how we hear yep. how we process that thing yep. and so a label creates a box yep. and then within that box is a bunch of meaning yep. but the box is contained yep. and it doesn't allow movement out yep. right and so every time we use a label it strengthens a box yep. so i i stay away from toxic as a word in this Perfect. conversation now just to create opening for men to move beyond that label. for sure i was actually trying to create the box around your masculinity yeah (laughs) so that i could understand understood got it so i just want to share that with people but you the way you articulated it was beautiful so for me what what i would call it is projected trauma okay that's that's how absolutely that's how i would distinguish my you know former behavior right was projected trauma yeah yeah and my and, and that is a great description because that's certainly and I think we all do that men and women totally. right we project our trauma until over and over until we heal it yeah until we heal it and uh, that's what we call you know perception is projection it keeps projecting out from what's inside until it reflects back to us enough to go shit I got to heal this yeah so I gotta actually go into this yeah so I have like a thousand questions but before I do that <laughs> before I do that let me kind of just set some context and let you give somebody because you kind of referenced earlier twenty years of sobriety yep, right. Yep, um, yep, yep. And then uh, we are living in a new age of clarity for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so I actually think, well, starting with current state would be a little bit better for me okay. to lead this. And then I'll, I'll go back. But could you kind of paint the picture for everybody now? Like you live in Montana. We're neighbors, right? Yeah. yeah. Have a beautiful ranch, beautiful yeah. partner. Joni, yeah. we love you. Joni, we love you. We called her before the show. Yeah, we did. We, did. we got permission <laughs> to record. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. For sure. Um, God, she's amazing. And, you know, you've been in this... NLP coaching capacity for a long time mm-hmm. with a lot of different disciplines. You've mm-hmm. kind of tapped your toes into a lot of different areas of life of mastery from, you know, spirituality to experiences mm-hmm. to traveling in the world. Yeah. Can you kind of paint the picture for everybody kind of in like the last year, mm-hmm. kind of what you've been focusing on, but also what's been going on in your life? Okay. So because this is, this is the lighthouse podcast so we're kind of in the lighthouse hey we're in the lighthouse we're going so let's shine the light okay um last year so 
been a, a big, a lot of change. Um, we, Joni and I, a few years ago, knew we were moving to Montana. We knew we had to buy, or like, buy land or buy a retreat center. Like, our mission was to create a retreat center for healing, ascension, growth, transformation. Yep. But it was just an intention, right? Um, until so, you came and had breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, yeah, that's that's a different, that's a, last <laughs> year in April. Yeah, last April 27th was the, 28th was the day of that. 27th was the day of that last year. Anyways, um, mm. the, prior to that, you know, we moved here during COVID. Yep. Um, we, we were so like, we were so aggressive in trying to find a place. There was this real estate scare. Everybody's moving to Montana, not nearly enough. There are way tons more, way more demand. There was supply. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was chaos and we lost like, we, we put offers in like six places. They all fell through. Like it just all went wrong. And, and in that, um, we actually discovered that I had colon cancer. Yep. Yeah. And that was January of 21. Again? Or was that the first time? No, that was the first time. That was the first that time. That was the original um, awareness of that. And that we were living in Missoula. And I, you know, being who I am and who I was and at that time, and, and my thinking and my focus um, was really, like, I, for, first of all, principle I live by in life is that, and this, I know this sounds weird to some people, is but that every single thing in my life, every situation, everything that happens, I'm responsible for. That's a fundamental. We talk way about of, that on this podcast a yeah, lot. Good. That's a fundamental, fundamental belief system for me. So I choose not to be a victim to anything in life. Like I create it all for a higher purpose, no matter how painful it is, mm-hmm. right? And and so that this helps me a lot. So that was like, okay, I, I chose this cancer. Um, I, I went into it to find out what the wound was because I believe there was a mental emotional wound that was connected to it, and I did. There were actually multiple wounds. Um, one tied to the trauma of a past relationship, the trauma of my daughter, uh, and traumas related to my dad were all connected to these deep conflicts that created this. So I, I went in the work to heal those things emotionally and using, you know, some of the techniques I use and working with some other healers. And, uh, and, and then I kept my focus on, I can heal this through focus, through trust in God, through my intention and, and I held the field while everybody around me was terrified because there's such this negative relationship to cancer, generally speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Such fear around cancer. Mm-hmm. So I actually ended up being the, I held the space for my whole family. Joni and her family are freaking out. My mom and dad, my family are freaking out. And so I had to constantly be the faith and the trust that I was already healed, mm-hmm. that I was okay. And for them, so it was like, I didn't really focus on me as much as I focus on holding the love for them so that they could feel safe in a very scary time. Yep. Um, anyways, uh, something in the middle of all that, we we actually were were in Texas in a, in a, we were in a retreat uh, with a bunch of friends that were kind of based out of Austin. This was in April of 21. And in that experience, um, we were like there and we, this is where we met Mike and this is where we became like immediate brother with Mike and and sister to Michelle. Right. And, um, and, and at the end of that retreat, Mike goes, you know why you've missed, you know why Mon- all the things keep falling through in Montana? And I went, why, Mike? And he goes, because you're supposed to fucking move to Austin. And like, dude, literally within five weeks, we we're in Austin. Yep. So then, and that was such a profound need for me because I needed to move into a community that could support me yep. and yep. like hold me as healed and yep. loved. Yep. And, and we, and so that was, Austin was a really important growth window for us. And now the cancer is, um, it ended up going to stage four 
Um, and then that's all been a part of the journey. And here's something I, and I want to share this. This I think it's important for people. Like I was so focused on my way of doing it that I was rejecting other ways that could help. Mm-hmm. This was my, this is part of the, like my, my own arrogance, my own spiritual pride. And like, I know the way and therefore, and so this thing is not the way, yep. you know, and I was really firm in that. Yep. And then through, thank God, for, you know, uh, Dr. Dan Stickler, yep. I don't know if anybody knows Dan, um, he, and his wife, Micro were so loving and supportive of me in this and also offer me new ideas. But ultimately, you know, it was Dan who led me to a, a, a brilliant doctor in, in Florida who had a really, he has a really creative look at cancer. And so that's been, you know, my, my I've been out of the box of normal oncology, normal yep. oncology, normal allopathic medicine, seeking other things. I mean, I went to Mexico for a month to do a bunch of immunotherapy healing. I mean, I've done a lot of work around this physical body, soul, you know, everything healing. But anyways, um, th- this doctor we met, he was like, you know, after we did the most, um, I took the most advanced genetic profiling uh, that exists on the planet now for, for cancer. And this mm-hmm. is the thing. Yeah, you told for, me about Yeah, this. and so they profile the body down to the genome, right, of yeah. like this cancer, this expression, this physical body as a unique case and expression. And so what the feedback from that report was, as the doctor filtered it to us, was like, hey, these things you're doing, immunotherapy, are great. This nutraceutical, nutraceutical approach is great. And also, if we blend in a traditional chemotherapy, but at medium dose with that, we think it could be very helpful toward actually ending this thing and getting it out of the body. And I was like, and this is where I had to get open-minded, right? Yep. I had to go, okay, I've been rejecting chemo this whole time. And, and then I just said, okay, we're going to do it. So now we're, um, we're as of last two weeks ago. So I've done 10 cycles of medium dose chemo, uh, as of two weeks, 10 weeks ago, or excuse me, two weeks ago, the marker. So the normal range of CEA, for a man of my age, um, is between 0.9 and three and two weeks ago, it's 3.4. So 3.4 after being as high as like 200 during this journey. Right. Yeah. So, um, imaging is good. So like, but here's the thing I want to, I want to share about this is like my focus and intention this whole time has not been, I'm going to heal. Nope. It's been, I am healed. Yep. It's been, I am healed. I trust God. I trust that I'm healed. And I'm just disciplined as a horse. I ride. I'm just doing the actions day to day in the process. Right. So I know it's kind of long, but this is insignificant because I now remember we had the intention to buy a retreat center and be here in Montana. There's a place and I'll, I'll plug it for your audience uh, called OHI optimum health Institute. There's one in San Diego, one in Austin. They offer a brilliant raw foods detox. So as a part of my healing, I went there twice. The second time I went, which was, February of last year. Yep. Now remember, we're focused on this. We're in our community in Austin. We had a great house. Yep. You've been to our old house in Austin, right? We had like we had an incredible community, man. Yep. It's like we're in heaven yep. in a way in Austin. Although I didn't have the Rockies and I yep. always miss the Rockies, yep. man. You know, I love the mountains. So, anyways, we we um I go to OHI for another week. And bro, this detox was bad, right? It's like 500 to 900 calories a day. And I was just struggling yeah. through this one, yeah. man. Yeah. And, you know, it was kicking my butt. And, and so I kind of stayed holed up in my room yep. for the whole time I was there. And then on the Thursday before I was leaving on Sunday, I come out to get some wheatgrass because they produce wheatgrass for you twice a day. And there's this woman behind the thing, wheatgrass, and I hadn't seen her. And she was like, you know, 70 or so, like wild, powerful fire energy, man. And she was just like, hey, are you from Montana? And I went... Well, yeah, I used to live in Montana. 
And she goes, well, I, I heard you were here, but I wanted to meet you. And I, so we got to talking and I was like, well, where are you from? She goes, I'm from Western Montana in this little place. I'm, you got to be kidding me. We own a piece of land like five miles from there. Yep. And she's like, you got to be kidding me. She goes, I own a ranch. It's been a bed and breakfast. Oh, you met her there? That's where I met her. But you didn't know this? You didn't know this? I didn't know that. So this, dude, listen to this. Holy shit. This is so crazy. So she's like, I've got a ranch that's a bed and breakfast that me and my late husband found it back in the 70s. And we've been running for years. But he died in 2004 in an unexpected diving accident. This guy was like a a, a Vietnam War hero, chopper pilot, flew in and out of hot LZs, you know. And, And But he had passed away in this freak diving accident. And she kept running the place, man, like this amazing. Yeah. She's just a fireball. Yeah. Brilliant fireball. Did you meet Mara? No. You didn't meet her? Okay. So anyways. So she got to talking. She told me where the ranch is. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, and then she goes, you know, and I started to sell it before COVID. But all these, like, I'll, I'll be, she said, all these people from like California kept coming to look at it. And they were like, ooh, there's cows and their poop and their stuff. Yep. And she was like, I couldn't even sell it to them. Right? Yep. She was like, I couldn't sell it to somebody that it didn't belong to. She wanted a Montanian. She wanted somebody who it really belonged yep. to, dude. So literally this, she goes, well, I'm thinking about putting it on the market again in April. And I said, well, we'd love to know a little more. Long story short, man, that was February of 21. Yep. And we, 22, excuse me, February 22. Um, I went to Mexico for a month of immunotherapy right after that. Joni and I got engaged right after that, like yep. the first week of March. Then I went to Mexico for a month for healing. And then I came back and we went. Joni and I flew up here to meet Mara and see the ranch. And that's when we came and saw you. When did I go shooting with you with Steph? Okay. You went shooting with me with Steph in, it was cold in Texas. So that was like November it was the, of it was 21. One. That's November right. 21. Yep. Okay. So I was just trying to establish context for when we met. Yes, that's correct. November Got 21 it. is when we went shooting. So then you flew out to see Mara. 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 And then. The next February. And then. Oh, that's, no, in April. That April. And then that's when you came to breakfast here. Yep. Okay, and then that's when you took the call with your doctor, and I had the one of them, Joni. Yeah, it is. But, dude, you were such an important part. Because remember, I was scared. I was in lack that yeah. day. We were sitting yeah. here next door having breakfast, and I was in that scarcity place, right? Like, yeah. oh, what if this goes wrong? What if it doesn't work? Because it was so perfect. Yeah. And 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 you – because, dude, let me tell you, at the time, we didn't have the money yet. Know, we like It just, like – I know. It, it was so – how the – are we going to do this? Uh-huh. But we know we're supposed to be here. Uh-huh. And you and you said something so precious, man. That was so helpful. You said, Scott, just keep doing the next thing. Mm-hmm. And if that next thing works, then do the next thing. Mm-hmm. And when something doesn't work, you'll know it's not the thing. Uh-huh. And I went, got it. Like that just went, and I just went, my nervous system just went. <sighs> yeah. And it, like the pressure went out of me, right? The pressure uh-huh. and noise just went out. Uh-huh. And dude, and literally that became our focus. Yeah. We just did the next thing. And so, and from there, that moment to July 21st when we closed, and I'm talking, bro, all kinds of roadblocks and obstacles showed up, I remember all of them. And we just did that roadblock, that obstacle, and it would dissolve. So I want to tie this together because I love that. Yep. So when I say awareness is the finish line, for everybody listening, I'm going to tie a couple concepts together. So when Scott references 100% responsible 100% of the time, okay, I've been taught that. As a personal development student, as Mm -hmm. a personal development coach, as a plant medicine student, as Mm -hmm. a shaman student, as a psychology student, like in all contexts, I've been caught that in all contexts. Now, this is how it works in my brain. I struggled with that concept very early on 
when it was taught to me in personal development. And, Everyone does. And the lesson <laughs> it was taught to me was around 9-11, okay. around the neutrality of events. Okay. That's how it was taught to me, right? Mm-hmm. So it took me a little bit. That's a big container for it to be taught in. You also have to remember I was being certified to become an experientially personal development teacher. Okay. So we got yeah, we got to go on some big things. We got yeah, broken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like good. I remember the second part and I was like, I'll go back to Marine Corps boot camp like three more times. <laughs> like I'll go for a year. Yeah. And they're like, why? I'm like, because I've never cried this much in my life. <laughs> well, snotting and screaming and angry. And I'm like, if there were padded walls in this room and you lock the door, I couldn't convince somebody based on what they've seen that they should let me out. Yeah. Like factually. Um, but I struggle with it. But then here's how it makes sense to me. Okay. I now believe where I am in my life that any moment I'm not choosing progress, I'm just choosing death and pain. Okay. Irregardless of how I feel. Okay. Like if I, if my whole world comes crashing down, which it, it almost has a lot in the last couple of months. I'm going to speak to that in a minute, but okay, go ahead. Almost apocalyptically. Yeah. Um, you know, knowing that I'm like, oh, but even in that moment, mm-hmm. if I make the choice that I don't want to die, mm-hmm. there still is only the next best thing in front of me. That's it. But the only way I can see the next best thing is that irregardless of my feelings, mm-hmm. choosing to see it, that I'm responsible for it. Because for me, when I put my frame in the I created this, it mm-hmm. instantly removes the emotion and mm-hmm. allows me to see the field. Okay. And then that's where my stillness practice comes in. Wow. So then I'm like, oh, well, like for example, I'm like, oh, and I remember the conversation because when you took the call with Joni or the doctor, Joni cried to me mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm going to say this. Okay. I'm really, really going to say this. But in my brain, I was thinking about both scenarios Sure. and I was like, well, actually, irregardless, they know not pursuing it is the option, right? Mm-hmm. They're clear that that option is there. I'm like, mm-hmm. this option is scary. And I was like, but they need more evidence. And I was like, but the only way to take evidence is to actually step towards this in one direction, irregardless of what the next 60 steps are. Yes. And so like when I created that wedge of expectations, I teach in that thing, like Love it. that's the only reason I made it. Wow. Is because like for me, I'm like, okay, like I know I'm going to get hit with a lawsuit. I know I'm going to have an employee quit. I know I'm going to have to fire staff. I'm going to have to go mitigate this. I'm going to lose my one-on-one client. Like I know all of that's coming. Yeah. So if I know it's coming, what are the things in my life and business that irregardless of me getting punched in the face still have to happen every day? That's the floors. And that's the floors. And so then how I created a container to have awareness is that, okay, punch me in the face. And when I get punched in the face, I open my phone. I'm like, okay, well, I said that when I get punched in the face, these things still had to happen every day because these helped me be a dad, a husband, an entrepreneur, a business partner, a coach. Mm -hmm. And irregardless of how I feel, Mm -hmm. I still get to do these things. Sure. So then when I go to do them and I can't because I feel like shit, Mm -hmm. then I use my SOS model. I love it. To become aware of the feeling. Yeah. And then the moment I'm aware of the feeling, I'm already clear on what the thing is I'm doing when the feeling's gone. And then typically I'm like, oh, that's why I was stuck. Or that's why I thought I couldn't make money. Yeah. Or that's the thing I couldn't remember. Yeah. And it's just for me, I've been focusing so much on collapsing the gaps in between action. Beautiful. Because I'd rather take an action and be like, oop, adjust, oop, tweak, oh, not doing that again. Then like, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And it just feels like the fastest path to clarity for me now. I love it. And I love that you, it's, 
that the floor, you know, that the floor of the wedge of expectations, it creates, it's the things that you know, you always need to do at a bare minimum to yep. keep moving the next step in progress. Yep. Right. Yeah. So it's like that. And that will even, if you don't know the next step, it, the process will reveal the next step. Like last okay. night, like I've, I've been crushing food. Like I'm the healthiest I've been. Like I'm yeah. back you look in great, shape. Dude. You've lost like, a ton of weight. You look awesome. I right? have like a five and a half pack this morning. Um, <laughs> And it's because last night I made a deal with myself because my nanny and Branson wanted to make cookies. So they made chocolate chip cookies that looked bomb diggity. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fine. You want them? Go do 30 minutes on the treadmill downstairs and make sure that you promise you'll have your greens in the morning. And I made a deal with myself. I was like, great, fucking cookie time. Let's go. Wow. And then I crushed three cookies with some M&Ms. And then I was like, yeah, that's enough. I woke up. By the way, these are my greens. Okay, good job. <laughs> First meal of the day. <laughs> well done. And then I was excited about it. I was like, God, I really don't want those cookies again. They were good, but I don't really need them. Yeah. Right. And it's it's like just this constant moment of like, for me, I recognize in my business, this is the analogy I've been using lately that in in for lack of better terms, I am both Tom Brady and Bill Belichick mm. while also being the offensive and defensive coordinator. Yeah. Right. But if I don't recognize what role I'm in, got to know the role. I can't make like a decision. Right. And yep. so these these moments of like collapsing these awarenesses allow me to be like, oh, am I quarterback right now? Am I? Yes. you know, Bill Belichick right now. I love this. And so it's just this constant assessment for me of like, I know in a week, these are the like 10 things that in, in my current life mm -hmm. with my relationships, my friends and my businesses, like this has to be done every week. Yeah. I know that is there irregardless. Right. Yeah. And so then when I feel like shit, typically if I feel like shit, I'm like, God, I can't be Tom Brady right now. Yeah. I was like, I can't go on the field. So I'm not going to record a podcast. I'm like, Oh yeah. But I can be Bill Belichick. What's the next lead magnet? What am I going to do at the next event? Who's the next person I want to bring in, right? And I wow. grab into that pool of bucket of things that I can wow. do, wow. but matched with how I feel about them. And so it's just that awareness thing for me is like constant now. Yeah. Every moment, the alarms on my phone, the background of my phone. And I mean, even environmental design for you, I feel like as your friend, yeah. you know, one of the things that constantly we would talk about was like just creating a tighter environment around you for sure that eliminated anything other than like positivity and what we need vibrationally what, what we, we need. need in the container yeah and cleaning it when it needs to be cleaned. so right. it's just when you say that 100 percent responsible like i tell people like if you read jocko's book if you want to start dancing with discipline like mm -hmm. extreme ownership yeah. and then beautiful stack book. atomic habits on top of beautiful it beautiful book and then if you read personality isn't permanent first then yeah. you'll use the atomic habits to build your future self and the book extreme ownership to then guarantee that you get there and then you'll be in a different place in like a year oh god a very different place a very different a place. very different place so yeah. i just thought i love that concept of like 100 percent responsible but when you said it i was like oh i can tie all this together no it's well done man and you know this is the, the, there's something so there's a concept in you know became an nlp trainer now i mean i'm an nlp master trainer and um, one of the things i do and master yoda yeah one of the things uh, we do to help heal and ascend you know we evolution of consciousness is our most important value right yep. and that's what we do um but one of the you know my path for years was a spiritual path and that was how i worked in my own development was in this pursuit of spiritual wisdom and the into action right spiritual wisdom into action and mm -hmm. Uh, like what did you call it into action yeah i love that yeah spiritual wisdom into action you know like aligning in the process of aligning head mind focused clear mind and heart into action i right? love that yeah and and so but i i didn't focus on working on my mind or necessarily directly in my emotional body 
And so when I was, it was a teacher who led me to NLP and he, and he, when I got there finally after six years, after he told me to be trained by a very specific person in NLP, timeline therapy and hypnosis, uh, I finally went yep. at a time in my life when uh, personal crisis was causing the need for evolution. Yep. That's a belief fundamentally I have all of our personal crisis is for evolution. Yep. And, and so it, it drove me into that training. And, and what I started to do and didn't know this was going to happen was I started to become a student of the mind and the emotional body for the purpose of evolution of consciousness and how to work in both those places. And what I started to, to experience, so there's a concept in NLP called um, behavioral flexibility, right? And there's a law called the law of requisite variety, which states that the person or the system with the most behavioral flexibility will have control of creating the greatest level of results yep. in the, for the person or system. Thousand right? percent. So what, when I hear you talking about what you were talking about, about being Bill Belichick or Brady or, mm -hmm. or the defensive coordinator, it's like that is speaks to your own evolution and your own complexity of thinking because mm -hmm. the behavioral flexibility speaks directly to our complex, the level of which we can think complexly, right? Like mm -hmm. how high can we be not high superior, but high in our thinking such that we can see from different levels, right? We see from 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 yeah. feet or down in the weeds. Yeah, at, I call that range. Yeah, right? Yeah. But the, the flexibility that comes from being able to see that way of what choices to make, what yeah. choices there are, because there's usually there's not a dichotomy in anything, right? No. It's not this or that. There's no, so much never. more choice. But no. sometimes there's a part in our growth where we only see the this or that. It's, it will typically, like what I've learned at this part of the game, it's typically better or less better, worse or less worse. Sure. There's no... There, there is, there is no clear choice. Nope, none. Nope, none. And yeah, I'm. Um, I was gonna say something when you were saying that 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 rung true. Before I do that, you also opened a loop about something you wanted to say about me walking through the apocalypse. Um, oh, oh, yeah, but remember that. So the behavioral constraint thing. I, this is what I wanted to to say. I agree with you because, like, for example, with one of the companies I'm running right now, like the the act the amount of active participation I have in the role mm -hmm. and the amount of scale that we have done in the mm -hmm. last two years to go mm -hmm. from 8 million to 80 million to 80 to 180, like <laughs> the amount of compression that mm -hmm. I've received, like I'm talking lawsuits, litigation, yeah. billion dollar companies, like 15 attorneys walk into our office, wow. patent claims, AR technology, noise, like yeah. things that I've never walked in. Right. Yeah. And so like for me, I've watched my range increase, not from, not from being in them, but my willingness to be in them. And then I recognize that like, even with my wedge, like what I try to do every day is create intentional compression. Wow. And so like, you is know, is that the same as like pressure and noise? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I create intentional pressure every day now. Okay. Right. And so like wow. for me, like I got to this point and you obviously know the awarenesses in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I got, I got to this point where when I wake up in the morning, my check engine light isn't on. Mm -hmm. Like when I go to my day, get my kids to school, come to the office, like my check engine light typically doesn't come on during the week anymore in okay. my in my day-to-day -day functions, in my relationships. Like very rarely is there like sure. a moment where I'm like, oh shit, mm -hmm. right? But then that became normal mm -hmm. for about a quarter. And then my check engine light started coming on more than normal. Okay. And it was hard to recover and it was actually pretty painful for a couple of months, my behaviors, my actions. And so I got uh -huh. complacent because the check engine light wasn't on and uh -huh. I was like, Oh no, 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 I need to change this. Yeah. 
And so I started looking for behaviors. And this is during the period where I kept feeling you, right? Yeah, like a thousand across, percent. Across yeah, time. yeah, yeah a like, thousand What's percent. going on, brother? Yeah. A thousand percent. So yeah. these are periods where I started having to like, this is going to sound really weird, but I had to start granularly looking at places in my business that gave me insights to where I still felt shitty, okay. right? This is going to sound really weird. But like, there's a lot of people, I coach people and I'm typically like, please don't send me an audio, right? And that's effective for my coaching, but also personally, because I struggle with focus and I am always afraid of what's in an audio message, oh, right? Wow. Like that I had this fear of like the shoe's going to drop, the hammer's going to drop. Oh, I get that. Right. Yeah. So then I would ask people, hey, if you send me an audio when you're done, will you just send me some context? Like, hey, wanted to share a win, wanted wow. to share a blank. And I still have people do that. But I started to recognize that my check engine light was coming on, but mm -hmm. it was coming on in places where I didn't have an awareness of it. Yeah. And so I had to start looking at these behaviors and I had to start being like, all right, cool. I don't like them. I'm only sending audios and only receiving audios back. Okay. Wow. That's leaning in. And I was like, I'm going in and I started like doing this and I was like, oh, this is what I do in fitness. Oh, this is what I do with customer journey. I'm like, oh, I should probably do this to myself. <laughs> No it's like apply, apply to self, right? What apply a novel idea. Self. And so then that's when, <laughs> and so like when you talk about that range though, that that range is something that I realized that, that typically I was only learning that I had the range when it was reactive to getting punched in the face. Yep. And that's why I was getting punched in the face <laughs> because I didn't have the range to handle the punch. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay, cool. So like when I tell you my philosophy every day as I wake up and I imagine my business is gone, my wife is gone, my kids are gone, and my friends are gone. Wow. Who do I get to be and what do I have to do today to earn them all back? Wow. And Wow. It's incredible, man. You just go, right? Yeah. And that's what I start my stillness practice with. And then typically I'm like, oh my God, I should text Scott. Oh, I'll hit up Joni. And I just start making notes. And then I come hit my core needle movers that I know I have to do. Yeah. And then I started hitting my notes. I'm like, oh my God, yep, I got that. I got to do that. I got to do that. I wow. got to do that. I got to do that. And then when I'm done, I'm done. And so, yeah, you like what I recognize is that when I started proactively doing it, mm -hmm. everything just got easier and easier and easier. For sure. And all it was was, was increasing my confidence in that gap. Yeah. Right. And I was like, oh, I've been here before. You know, and, and let me ask you, like for you and increasing that confidence in the gap is, was that, is that also increasing trust in self? 1000%. That's okay. what it is. Because yeah, that's what it is. What, yeah. what I had to start doing and I, I had to really, really start taking myself to court. Yeah. Okay. This is going to sound really funny, but this is how I learned. Okay? okay. I was like, I need to start calling bullshit on my own arguments around this thing. Right. Okay. And so I started watching the show Suits. On Amazon. Oh, it's a great show. Great man. show. I love it. Yeah. But here's why I watch shows like that. Yeah. Because I listen to the attorneys argue. And then when I'm watching them, I put my own thoughts in the show. I love it. And I sit there and I'm like, oh, oh, God, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. Here we go again. And there's some brilliant language and arguments in that show. Oh, my man. God. They're brilliant. so good. So good. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I'm totally in. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm totally, totally in. And so. Yeah, I just I had to start like really, really dancing with the thoughts and the and the things that I was making up. And incredible. What what it was is that I was never willing to do a full every conceivable scenario. So mm -hmm. there's this model I used to teach in customer journey, and this is how I started mm -hmm. teaching customer journey. I don't teach it anymore. Mm -hmm. But how I started learning customer journey is I would look at a business and I would say, Okay, cool. We have customer A. Mm -hmm. Customer A comes to the website. Let's list out every single decision that customer A could make. Mm -hmm. And I would take companies, I would map out a whiteboard, every conceivable scenario. If they wow. saw this Facebook post, yeah. what is, and I wanted them to see how a customer journey wasn't linear. Okay. Right? Yeah. But what it did is it put all the cards on the table. Wow. 
Wow. And when all the cards are on the table, you're like, oh my God, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make yeah. sense. They wouldn't do that. And then what you're left with, you're like, oh my God, well, this has to work. And if it doesn't work, it would only be because of this and this, but we need to try it first. Right. There you go. And so wow. what was happening in that self-trust is I would be met with like a customer journey challenge. Right. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh my God, tell me it's going to work. Tell me it's going to work. And I'm like, I'd get in that pressure and I'm like, well, here's what's funny. Irregardless if it's going to work or not going to work, I have to do the same thing. Yeah. What the fuck am I like ruminating what, on? Yeah, yeah, seriously, get into action. Right? <laughs> and so it just allows me to start looking at things because what was really happening is that I had a fear. Mm. But it wasn't a fear that it wasn't going to work. It was a fear that I hadn't walked through what would happen if it didn't. Oh, wow. And so then I felt unprepared, but it was easy to just say, no, 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 it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. But like when we think about you buying Mandorla yep. and you're, you're, you're stuck there and you're like, well, obviously I'm crystal clear. We can walk away. Yep. We'll get our earnest money back. Yeah, for sure. We can walk away. That path has been mapped out and it's crystal clear. Yep. But then we're thinking about, well, there's all these other steps. Yeah. But what's really, really funny is that the moment you just collapse it down, you're like, oh, those are all possibilities. Yep. Now that I'm aware of that, yep. it's what gives the confidence and the self-trust to make yep. the first step. Because yep. it doesn't mean you have to finish the race. No, it doesn't. You just need to see if like when you took that sip of water, if it gave you the energy to take another step. Incredible, man. And that was, it was so true, right? That, that moment of just clarity of like, well, this next step. Yeah. shows me that this works yeah or it doesn't right it's just yeah. a it's an evidence procedure this well, is working or not and, working. and i want to say this for everybody thinking this like this doesn't mean it's easy no for me Shit, no. like uh, I'll, all I'll, context it is not somebody <laughs> scott knows every context of every ounce of my life right now um and thank you for that boy oh boy if this was three years ago you would all be at my funeral right now seriously and yet I am the happiest that you've ever been <laughs> that I've ever been yeah. and everything feels the easiest yeah. it's ever felt. Yeah. And so it's just, it's a really interesting um, perspective for me. Um, but even, even thinking through, I just want to acknowledge real quick, like yeah. but that's, that's so heart, right? There's so much heart in that yeah. being in the heart space of love, yeah. the, the non-attachment, the freedom. The, yeah. And so many things are integrating for me, teachings from 11 years ago when Steph and I went down the Adivedanta route for yeah. like an eight hour conversation one yeah. day. And then I, and I'm like, oh, 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 oh God. Yeah. And yeah. then I like have my own teachings running through my head. And I'm like, you're such an idiot. That's why you were teaching this. This is what you knew, but you were pretending not to know. Yeah. Oh, this is what the yeah. path is. So I wanted to say that it doesn't make it easier. But here's what I've noticed. And I think this is just from experience, from creating, like you talked about mm -hmm. the cancer. Mm -hmm. When I look at my life from a responsibility, why did I lose the million dollars a month? Why did I get that company closed? Like, how did I show up that did that? When I started to look at it um, really, really integrously, I started to recognize that the only reason I lost those things is because I believed the feelings to be true. Mm -hmm. And then when I look back at the corrective actions that I took, they were the identical actions that I would have taken in the first place if I just acknowledged my feelings, yeah. except I wouldn't have had the collateral damage and, in the behavior. And can I, so you want me to close the loop now yeah. on the apocalypse? Yeah. I, I already said this phrase once, but this, this is the closing, the apocalypse that you went through, the personal apocalypse, and in all the one sense, right? Yes, the yes. smaller ones, but you know, because we go through them my this is it this 
just transformed for me linguistically in the past two weeks. Yep. Like it's that happened because you, there's something happening collectively right now yep. where there's a lot of people ascending rapidly percent. and, and there's a collective energy of ascension around the planet, especially 1, in the West. Percent. Yep. So th- this thing came true for me. It just came clear at a different level. Um, there's a, this, I learned this early in my recovery journey, and there was a saying in the or, or big the text of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? And that said, most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they commence to solve their problems. Yep. And so I started to look at my journey as I would go through it, and I would be really, I, I had to get really badly mangled to start my journey, right? And then I would go through cycles yep. of getting badly mangled while sober yep. before I would make big change. Yep. And so what just clicked for me the other day, which is what I was bringing back to and closing the loop is that our personal crisis is solely for a personal evolution. 1000%. And so, and then when we become responsible in ownership of that, when we say, okay, this is my personal crisis and it exists for my evolution, even if I don't know what that evolution's for or how that evolution will express in the 3d in life, when yep. I'll embrace that, I can fucking go through anything yep, yep. and anything that I go through will cause me to grow, to heal, to ascend, and to be even more useful to the world in whatever that is. A thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. It's, um, I had two thoughts on that one and I'll remember them both briefly, um, <laughs> in a second. But one of the things that, oh, oh, this collapsed for me in integration around this. Like Lindsay used to say to me all the time, she's like, well, the universe will keep teaching you until you learn the lesson. There you go. Right. Yeah. And and I'm trying to collapse like w- what felt like 20 years of suffering for me, so you don't have to suffer anymore. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, got it. So then like there would be a trigger in life, and then I'm like, oh, I have to go do something to fix this. Yeah. I have to go do something to fix this. It's the masculine energy. Yeah. And so, the breakthrough was when the new breakdown comes to mm-hmm. do nothing. There you go. So when I say awareness is the finish line, what I have learned is that when the test comes, when you're when you're hit with like you're losing your whole company, mm-hmm. here's my new tilt, and I swear to God, this is the only reason I'm successful. The moment that happens, the only thing I say is I'm not allowed to make any decisions until the emotion's gone. So brilliant, man. And that's it. So and that's such the truth. And that's it. Yep. And like, I was like, oh my God, for 15 years, I just kept hearing Lindsay say, 13 years to be an in integrity. Lindsay say, <laughs> sorry, it would have bothered me. You're good. Um, Lindsay say, like, it's going to keep showing you until you learn the lesson, until you learn the lesson. It's showing up again. What are you yeah. learning? And I just, it took me so long to recognize that the lesson wasn't doing anything differently. It was seeing it differently and then choosing a new behavior. Yeah. Just one. There you go. And like now, I think because I finally got it, mm-hmm. it's just been really easy. There you go. And because I'm just like, what's the next bite? Yeah. Right? Like, what's the next bite? And then I'm like, you know what? I'm not hungry anymore. I'm going to go sit on the couch with my son for the weekend. Oh, yeah. And I woke up this morning and I'm like, I'm not really hungry. I'm just going to do a podcast today. You know, that's to me. I love this, man. To me, this is um, this is something that's currently happening to to me and, and us in our life and, um, in, in Mandorla and is is presence, like actually being presence mm-hmm. and meaning completely present in the now in my body, hundred percent focus on what is now in my space yep. with no agenda, no push, just present too. So we had, well, you, you know, Victor, so yep. Victor came up for, um, love you, Victor, love you, Victor and uh, brother for sure. And, um, 
He'll he, hear this. Of course he will. Um, he came up and spent like six days, you know, and we were, he's in our master trainer development program and, and he's just such a beautiful soul, man. But he came up to do an intensive and it's the first intensive we've done at Mandorla. And he walked in and I went, man, I know we should have structure, but I can't do it. I said, I just want to out for an idea. I said, what if we just be completely present for the next six days? And when anything shows up, we go into that and work on that when it shows up, because I believe if we're present, everything that needs to show up, will show up in the space. Yep. So a real snippet of, of what he said at the end of it on day six, he said, man, this, the experience that happened to me in this was the most profound thing I've ever had happen. And if you could have told me before we did this, I would have this experience. I would have given you every single penny and every account I had to have this experience. And that came that I was just a vehicle, you know, in the container. And Joni was, cause it was all of us working together in this beautiful experience, but the power of presence, mm-hmm. the power of, of setting a container. And you do this so well, man. That's what we were talking about at the beginning yeah. of the call, right? Like your ability to set a container that causes transformation and then be 100% present and mm-hmm. bring your fire, your mm-hmm. love, your passion. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fucking transformational brother. Yeah, man. It's, it's so funny. Like I've been looking at my life and what's so interesting is like, Hey, Victor and Heather, my, you, I nicknamed by the way, their group text in my phone is unicorn. Yeah, couple. Yeah, I heard, yeah, I heard yeah, about yeah. you. That, yeah. They're my, they're my unicorn couple. You'll, you'll meet them. They're going to be staff at the event. Um, yeah. We tag teamed him because he literally left my event and then came to your house. Yeah, that minute, right? Yeah. And then what's funny is that we were with each other at the airport when he was coming to On see you because he missed his flight. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, one more thing that I forgot to share that came up for me during my event. Do you have a minute? Yeah. And then he sat there for like 30 minutes and I could have sworn, I'm like, God, I, I, I hope I'm saying the right man. I don't have a read on him right now. Yeah. And then he just said, thanks. We hugged. And I was like, God, oh, I just love Victor. And then he texted me and I was like, oh, phew. Okay. Got it. It yeah. landed. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. But like, it was, it was so beautiful because he even reflected with me after. And I love, I love that. Uh, but what I've been looking at my life as is like, I recognize that in my day, mm-hmm. and, and this is just being integrous, that in my day, there's probably only a, a cumulative amount of two to three minutes of my day total where I am 100% embodied and Mm -hmm. believed and aligned into my vision. Okay. Like when I wake up in the morning after my stillness practice and I'm like, yeah, right. I'm feeling the earth, mother Montana. I'm like, yep, that's what I'm doing. Right. The moment I step onto the field, Mm -hmm. I lose the ability to see the whole field anymore. Okay. And with the day that I have very rarely does. You have some very full days. I have some very full days. Very rarely do I get pockets where I'm like, oh, let me go reconnect to my vision or my why or my boom, right? So like I recognize that. And so the reason I got clear on like in that pocket or like I've made space, I'm like when I feel that way, I that's the only time I ask myself like what do I really want? Wow. Right? Like what is it that I really want? And when I find what I really want from that space, I don't have to remember that feeling anymore because I've cleared in what I want. I just have to pick one to two behaviors. Mm -hmm. That would move me closer to that, irregardless of if it gets me there. Yeah. And so that's what I build my daily needle movers around. And then it's funny because in reflection, I'll be somewhere and I'll celebrate a win. Mm-hmm. And I literally love this win. And I'll recognize that that win came because I started something else I thought I wanted. Yeah. And then won something else and realized that's what I needed. Yeah. There you go. Well, oftentimes that happens, right? We go thinking we want what we want, but we get what we need. And so what's funny is I've just been looking at my entire day like I'm my own personal trainer. Wow. 
And I'm like, hey, you're going to do three podcast intros today. You're going to do one podcast. And then you're going to go reflect here. And then it's like, oh, there's this shitty situation in your life right now. Yeah. Like, I have lawyers involved in like four fucking areas of my life right now. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> maybe I'm watching Suits to learn how to talk to them all better. Maybe you are. Um, I, they're all great, though. I love yeah. you all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For sure. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Um, but it's like, even in those, right? I'm like, okay, cool. Like, when those things hit me, I'm like, oh, fuck. All right, cool. Well, what are the three things that, irregardless of how I feel, like are going to get me somewhere closer? And then I just try to like literally pick these like micro bites whenever I don't feel good. Yeah. And then I gamify it. And I'm like, what do I really want? I'm like, I want to go snowboarding. I'm like, I really don't want to fucking work today. I feel like shit. I don't want to be in the office. I'm like, okay, cool. We'll play your own game. Coach, earn the right to go snowboarding. And I'm like, cool. What are the three things? Wow. And then I write them on a sticky note. And I put them up in front of me and I'm like, you can go snowboarding the moment these are done. And God, I, I love this. I do all three of them. It literally laptop closed on the mountain. You know, dude, I love this. And you, there's um, something that, that Guruji has said to me for many years, which is uh, evolution is evolutionary, not revolutionary. And it's measured in inches, not, not miles. miles. Right. Yep. And so it's like, when I hear you talking about that, it's like you honor the inches, man. You I honor the little micro movements and like it moves so much, right? I, well, here's Oftentimes the, we think about that. We need to take these big leaps, these huge steps, these overwhelming moves. But if we can bring it down into those little things, man, like how powerful is that? It came as a requirement because here's the thing. I've never made a vision board or a goal sheet. And I've Lindsay's, it's caused tension in our relationship yeah. because I'm like, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. If you ask me what I want, yeah. I can't tell you, and it overwhelms me thinking about, and then it creates reactants in my body. Yeah. And I'm like, no. And I always struggled with it, but what I loved was building every day. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to tell you what my vision looks like. I want to build my vision every day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and so when I had that moment, I was like, oh, it's not that like I need a vision board. I'm like, I just need to have clarity on like an idea that I might yeah. want it to look like. And I'm like, yeah. oh, and then I was like, okay, yeah, I, I would like to have that ranch. I would like to, I'm like, what would be one thing that would make me have that ranch? I'm like, oh, I would need this amount of money. What are the three behaviors that would get me one step closer to that? Cool. I'm clear for the next six uh, months. God. And, don't, you, don't you guys love Mind of George? And like, like and right, so good, right right now for me, like they <laughs> they'll know. Like I I have done probably thirty podcasts in the last like two months. I know like two weeks. God, you're on fire. I am designing events. I'm launching. I'm giving my IP away to anybody with an audience so that more people can have customer journey. We're trying to increase event production. Like I'm going in straight building mode again. Beautiful. Like I've just, that's just, and that's what it feels like in my body. Like right now, the only thing that makes me happy is Mm -hmm. thinking about creating. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, that's what feels good to me right now. So then I'm like, well, if I'm in creation mode, what can I create for today, next month, next year? You know, this is, I mean, because of what you're going through, the change you've just gone through, the the evolution, the ascension, the, the incredible experience that you're in of just joy yeah and love yeah right and i'm it's so interesting because i hadn't made this connection yet till you said it because that's dude i am like we're in this is happening to us right now yep. and i mean like 
we had the, the, the podcast name showed up. The yep. new, I mean, what's happening with Mandorla just got yep. totally clear. Like uh, all these things are coming together so fast and I am on fire yep. to create. Yeah. I'm on fire to create. And like, thank you for connecting this for me, man. Because so, that's exactly what's happening. That's all I want to do right now. So I've been, I've been, the, the cooking world has been coming up a lot again lately. Again, only, really? only in analogies though. So okay. here, here's the thing. Like, okay. A lot of my customer journey models for the last, last like three intensives, I don't know if they were foodies, but we end up talking about food. So I end up teaching the whole thing with okay. like food analogies. Okay. Okay. And here's how I think about like action, right? Like, so the last event, my thesis for everybody at the event is that awareness is the finish line, okay. right? And you understand that my understanding is that the moment I have full integrous awareness, I've already won the game because all I met with is choices. Sure. And a series and combination of those choices mm-hmm. end up in the world, right? So when we think about business and life, I teach content in the lens of like ingredients, right? Okay. And so one of the things that I've recognized is that like if I think about my business, my life, my results, I used to literally try to make a plan while looking at the groceries in the grocery bag. Mm-hmm. And what was missing is that <laughs> me taking actions mm-hmm. was actually taking them out of the grocery bag and putting them into my kitchen so I knew what I had. Sure. But forever, I was just like trying to look in the grocery bag. And I, I missed that. What I see for myself now is that any moment that I'm thinking and not taking an action, mm-hmm. I'm losing. Wow. Because if I'm thinking and not finding clarity, I'm not going to find it in the same bucket I'm thinking in. So we can talk about the logical levels of the brain. Oh, of course. And so I'm not going to find it there. So I'm going to have to take an action somewhere. I need to take an action to find clarity. I need to take an action to remove the emotion. Mm -hmm. Or I need to take an action that's aligned with like some behavior. When you're in that place, do you ever ask a question, like an inductive question or an open question that has you move out of of the bag? So typically the way my SOS works for myself, when I get really, really triggered, um, the first thing I do is sit there and ask myself, what is it? Yeah. Right. So like I, of course, recommend breath work, but I do this all the time. Sure. And so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, oh, I name it. Actually, I will tell you, I name it first. So I'm like, oh, I have a pit in my stomach. And Uh I'm like, what does it feel like? I'm like, oh, it feels like a knot. It's heavy. It's like, and I'm like, oh, it feels like red. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, where's it coming from? Mm hmm. Right. And I'll be like, okay. And I'll be like, and I'll ask myself like, okay, what's the story you're making up? What's the boom? And then typically for me, that alone helps 95% of the time. And then I'm like, oh, I'm triggered because I'm jealous of somebody from something five years ago. I apparently haven't worked through. I'll handle that later. Yeah. Right. Or or I'll handle it or I'll handle it now. Right. And sometimes I'll open my phone like, hey, and I just most of my friends have gotten these text messages from me. And Scott probably has too. Like we'll we'll end a conversation, and a week later, I'll be reflecting. Like I feel out of integrity with something, yeah. and so I'll find those clean it up. Yeah. I'll find those moments, and I'll clean it up. So like typically, that mitigates it for me. If mm-hmm. it doesn't, I'm not going to get it, and I need to move. And so that's Got where it. my SOS comes in with breath work, stillness yeah. outside. So whatever my then top you five to to are, circle. If you go, I just pattern interrupt myself, yeah. and yeah. so I start Beautiful. with the inner. And then yeah. typically, if the inner removes the emotion, then my clarity was right. Got it. If it doesn't, I need a reflection from a different party, which is why I go to my inner circle. Yeah. And then I'm like, hey, this is what I was feeling. This is what I was thinking. And then typically within a minute, they're like, and I'm like, oh, yeah. no kidding. Or they're like, this might be your problem. You should probably call somebody. Got it. And so no matter what, I'm just collapsing my zone of doubt mm-hmm. like as much as possible. Sure. But I just didn't understand a lot of the times I, I got stuck for years in the trap of I needed more information before I started. Yeah what I've now come to find out is you cannot get that information until you start. Yeah. 
And so I only find enough to literally realize there's a race ahead of me. And these are the first two steps. Yeah. There, look, man, what you just said. So there's, you know, I'm a, we're, we're a teacher of, um, or teachers of, um, Claire Graves' work, uh, some of the, you know, Don, spiral dynamics, yep. values levels, like these are all about levels about of spiral thinking. Dynamics. Yeah. So we, we teach this in, 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 in some certain context, but the thing you just said about, I used to think that I had to have more information. Uh-huh. This is, um, actually like a huge percentage of the population of the planet actually has this thinking and they, there, this speaks to a certain values level of thinking, but the it's a really hard transitional place for people to go through because there's safety and security that are needs and values yep. that are causing us to continue to seek more knowledge and thinking that that will inspire us to action or uh-huh. that will get some change. Uh-huh. And ultimately we've got to go through the fucking fear. We've got to embrace the courage of it, stepping into yes. action without enough information. It's the paradox of Maslow's hierarchy of needs yep, yep. because here, here's, here's, here's my philosophy and I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to summarize it in a three color crayon, George box, okay. black, white, pink. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And like I'm making sweeping generalizations to explain just a thought. Pre-industrial revolution, comfort didn't really exist. If you weren't up and out of your house every day, it had imminent consequences. For sure. Either food, water, shelter, protection, something, right? So then we get comfort on demand and we live in comfort. We can, we have food at our disposal, Uber eats temperature, right? There's no resistance. There's no resiliency. I mean, there's no like resistance, um, in like the everyday practice over and over. And so what's really, really funny is like in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can't ascend to any other level until your base needs are not met. hundred percent. And so that is food, water, and shelter. Absolutely. But if all you do is sit there and recognize that you don't have food Mm -hmm. and think about not having food, you can't get to any other level. Agreed. And so it's funny because all these things that we taught and or teach and were taught on me in psychology, I was like, they eradicated all my own bullshit because what's happening in the business is that I can't be clear because one of my core foundational wounds is causing an emotional lack of clarity, yeah. right? Something, if I'm in my business and I get hit with something and it causes me to lose control, that is not a business problem. That no, is a personal problem. It's a self problem. And I am yeah. missing food, water, or shelter somewhere. Yeah. Here's the funny part. If I get triggered in the business, I already know what I'm missing. I don't need to know why. I, I agree. I don't need to know I why. don't need to explore where it showed up for the no. last 37 years of my life. Agreed. I'm like, oh, I'm like, got it. What's the one thing that makes me feel at home again? Yeah. Or gives me water, food, or shelter. It brings you back to security and brings safety. me back to security, right? And so it's funny because I was like, I even for years as an entrepreneur, I'd be like having a marketing problem and frustrated and angry because I couldn't figure it out because yeah. I was so emotionally involved in it. 100%. I couldn't see a fucking thing. Back to what you're saying. No decision in the emotion, right? Like None. That. Wait. Yeah. None. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, because this wasn't about the marketing. I'm angry because I feel unsafe. Oh, go. I feel unsafe because I'm trying to make money. And I feel the pressure of needing to make money. And mm-hmm. I failed to recognize that that's what's going to stop me from making money. Yeah. Oh, shit. Wow. Right? Like, and so, yeah, it's just been, um, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot lately. <laughs> I, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, so for me, it's just like, I, I think, you know, I heard this, I've heard this in 12-step meetings a ton. You can't ever think your way into a better action, but you can always act your way into a better thought. Mm. Love that. 
and it's like I just think about how simple it's been for me. Like I, I think about you. Oh, that's so good. I, I think about you and I, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, cool. If we're sitting here and both of us get some horrible phone call mm-hmm. about something going on, bad news, irregardless of how we're both going to handle it, the first thing you and I would do is center ourselves. Yeah, 100%. Every single time. Operators do that. But if we're not able to, it would be fair. You and I would both go work out and mm-hmm. within two minutes would be like, oh, there it is. Back in our body, right? there it is. And right. so we're like surrounded by the evidence. 100%. And then like for me and the reason I keep saying this at my events and I'm bullish on it, if you haven't recognized this, the things that I teach are the things I'm holding myself accountable to. Yep. <laughs> That's my whole world. But when I was like, it's not about adding another tool to your toolbox. It's about using the one that you have. Agreed. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. And it's so, I complicated it for so many years as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm looking at this problem and I think the problem's the problem. But what I failed to recognize is that that problem was created because I stopped doing these three things that were consistent every day, but I lost them, right? And so I think that pause, that awareness, like the, the, the point is when that check engine light comes on, just give yourself a space to be a triage nurse for a minute Yeah, to make sure you're aware. Because no matter what, we have to make a decision. Yeah, we have to. You you can't not make a decision. Yeah, and there's always one next bite. But if it feels too big, it means you have to sit with it longer and cut it into smaller pieces. And chunk it down into something smaller until yeah. you can put it on your fork. Yeah, and that's kind of how you have to do it. And, okay. I, and the reason I said that analogy earlier about the groceries is because I think a lot of people look at the I did this. I looked, I'm like, oh, I know I do this. I know I do this. But I just kind of saw the label in the grocery bag. Mm-hmm. I didn't really ever put them all out on my I'll pantry. see the whole thing. And like when I started being willing to really put them all out on my pantry, like mm-hmm. I did say that. And I did mean mean that even though I want to deny it. But I did, I did mean that. That yeah. was like the yeah. moment, the more I expose it, the more integrous my late relationship is with the integrity of the ingredients. 100%. Which means that no matter how I use them, They're I gone. don't have to worry about a spoiled vegetable in the dish. Right. They're going to work. Yeah. Now, though, if I pretend that I can see them all in my grocery bags mm-hmm. and I start using them in my meals, mm-hmm. the challenge is I'm convinced that my kitchen's running effectively because I'm getting dishes out on time. Yeah. And then 35 minutes later when they start coming back because something was undercooked or it was raw or it was bad. Yep. that's what happens to entrepreneurs. Yep. That's what happened to me is yep. I would get triggered and I would stop the by behaviors. Back. Yep. Yep. I, no, I would get triggered first uh-huh. by something stopping the behaviors okay. that created the results. Yep. And I would allow the emotions to cloud my decisions, which sure. would stop me from doing the needle moving activities. Yep. Then at some period or point in time, I would recover and think I made it okay mm-hmm. without oh, realizing sure. the tailed damage. Yeah, the collateral damage or the wake of damage that was there. And then the new behaviors <laughs> were never learned and rectified. I just band-aided them. And so then when they come to me to leave, I have nothing to keep them. Well, sure. That's how we repeat cycles, right? Because the learnings are not integrated. They're not learned. And yeah. it's like, oh, we keep reacting and yep. dealing with it from reaction. And yep. we'll do that over and over until it's like... Lindsay says, right? The universe keeps showing you the same thing over uh-huh. and over again until you solve it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, discipline. <laughs> it's the horse I ride. The horse I ride. So now, <laughs> now for you, right? Like you've kind of gone through this massive awake. I mean, you look the best I, you've looked Thank you, since I've known you. Thank you, brother. And you can feel it, right? And yeah. you're excited. You have a lot of things and you love helping people. We do. Right? And so yeah. like, what are you excited about? Because you have so many things. You do, you help people with NLP. Mm-hmm. You have Mandorla. You mm-hmm. have, God, we have shooting. You've got horses. you got you and Joni. you got, you got everything. So like, what is, what are you most excited about to be like 
how you're going to currently express yourself to the world. Wow. Break check. Let me take a moment to interrupt myself. I don't run ads on my own podcast, but sometimes I forget that I can tell you about things on my own show. So I'm interrupting for a very important announcement, which is the Lighthouse Business Accelerator, because it is event time. And as a fellow entrepreneur and business owner, you know how important it is to attend live events, especially ours with the world's most intense Rock, Paper, Scissors Championship with the best prizes. But that's why I'm thrilled to invite you to our event that will transform your business and catapult your personal growth as a leader in the industry. And if you do not believe me, I swear to God, just go to mindofgeorge.com slash event. I will not tell you. The people on the page will tell you. Their videos will tell you. But the event is getting ready to happen November 16th through 19th in Whitefish, Montana, my beautiful home at the Grouse Mountain Lodge. We have a new event location. So down and dirty. It is a three-day event with an optional four. And everybody takes the fourth. They're just limited spots. But you'll find out more about those. Who's going to be speaking? Luckily for you, the best. My dear friend, Mo Ismail, and my, myself will be co-curating. He'll be speaking, and he is literally the best in the world at short-form content. It is mind-blowing. When he speaks, everybody writes notes and listens. My dear friend, John Wellborn, who is just a wealth of walking wisdom and knowledge. He was a NFL player for 10 years. He studied stoicism. He has degrees in rhetoric and from all these different places. And I learned so much. And then I have a special surprise up my sleeve, but I'll keep that with you there. So at our event, it's all about community. It's all about relationships. And our goal isn't just for you to walk away with clarity, which you will, mastery and understanding of customer journey, which you will, but also feeling recharged and on fire, ready to go into the world, knowing you have community and support. And so whether you're just starting out, totally fine. We have about half the room of that. Running a seven-figure business, totally fine. We have you. Eight-figure business, we got you. And we have had billionaires in the room. And we focus on principles and communities. And everybody learns from each other. Everybody benefits from each other. And everybody wins. And so I can't wait for you to be one of the 75 entrepreneurs in the room in that next experience with your bucket full. So I'm going to let you get back to the content but I'm going to tell you, I cannot wait to hug you and high five you in Montana. So come be ready to be with 75 entrepreneurs that are all hungry for growth and networking and supporting. And of course, the world's most competitive rock, paper, scissors championship. So I'm going to let you get back to the content. But irregardless, right now, it's time to go to mindofgeorge.com event. Check it out. And we will see you November 16th through 19th in Whitefish, Montana. We're back from a much-needed pee break because <laughs> we are was much needed. caffeinated in and caffeinated in. But I asked you a question before the break, and uh, I'll ask you again. So, so now, right? Like you, I know you personally, right? You've had a lot of new awarenesses, sure. right? A, a lot. lot of new clarity. Yeah. Um, what sounds like a lot of alignment, right? And yeah. then there's a lot of new ingredients in the toolbox of Scott the, and the Joni. Pan, the pantry, the is, pantry is a lot more full. Yeah. Is a lot more full, right? So like you coach people in NLP and you're a master at that. And mm -hmm. through that lens, you help them with <laughs> a multitude of other things, right? Sure, and then sure. now you have the ranch and all that. So like, what, what are you excited about like this year, like in expressing your gift and like how do you see it happening? Like share with everybody what you're excited about, what you're going to be helping people with. Like I'm just kind of innately curious. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you for the question, brother. Um, so 
I got to preframe it to, to, to lead to it. it. Um, the, so before I ever was an, an, like, as soon as I became an NLP trainer and then it's this master trainer. So those are labels yep. and immediately they create a box. Yep. Okay. So I've hesitantly like yeah, dropped it in. No, it's fine. But it, Cause it's, it's like it's, when people name me thing, I'm like, kind of, yeah, no, but that's a, that's a part, right? It's not the whole thing. And, and so, you know, for 13 years or 12 years before I became a trainer, what I, I really related to myself was as a spiritual teacher, because I mentored uh, a spiritual path inside recovery for one-on-one with over a thousand men. Yep. And, and then I got to speak to many people inside yeah. that space. Yeah. Right. And I was always talking in the context of, of healing through spirit yep. and, and through a relationship to one's own relationship to their God. Yep. And, and so that was how I knew myself as a teacher, as a person and, and really what I was inspired by in life. And then I went into NLP and all of a sudden I, I got in the world, started sharing that. And then I get in this box and this label. Right. Yep. So, but that was a, a really, really important part of my process because chapter. I needed to understand the mind and the emotional body the way that I do and be able to understand how to assist and facilitate healing yep. in those bodies. Because I think of myself and the whole self of a human being as a spiritual, mental, emotional, physical body. Yep. Right. And we could even chunk that down into some more things, but we'll keep it at that level. And, and so it's like, how do we heal all of that? Yeah. How do we cause healing and a growth and evolution and all of that? And, and so that's what's coming together now, yep. um, is this, this massive change. Now, yeah, we're still running some events. We still have some things in the calendar, a summing, a summer training series coming up that mm -hmm. we do once a year. Um, used to, we did 10, of 10 to 11 live events a year. This year, we're only doing three. And the uh, reason for that is because I spent all winter. In, winter for me, this was the most beautiful winter of my life because, and, and Michelle, our dear friend Michelle, right at the beginning of winter, because we moved to Montana in October, mm -hmm. and winter hit like Halloween, right? It did. And it hit hard. Bro. It was a two-foot snowstorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It hit like a lion. Welcome hit, home. You know, you know what it hit? It hit like a bear. Welcome home. Yeah. And it was incredible, but it was such a gift because we had the gift of Mandorla, this beautiful healing sanctuary that is this place that we can call our home. But what we knew the moment, the night that we closed, I was sitting in the dark in my office in Austin and I started weeping. I just started weeping because it, it came together. And I realized that the responsibility that had just been bestowed on us was huge because we actually weren't owners of Mandorla. We were stewards, stewards. of Mandorla. We were stewards. Yep. And so there was this huge responsibility with that that I couldn't even comprehend yet, yep. right? Yep. Uh, but I knew it in my heart. So what's happened over, as I haven't, you know, but your audience doesn't know, um, over the past, uh, my, my father, um, my father passed away on March the 6th, and um, that was unseen, and we knew that was going to happen. And like that was, you know, there was no problem. Um, and, and I'm not going to go deep into the story, but I'll share a little bit of it because it's so significant to what's happened to yep. me and what's and, and answering your question. Um, the My father was my whole life my hero. And when I was a little boy, he was, if there was an idea of God, it was him. He was who I looked up to, who I idolized, who I modeled, who I desperately wanted love and nurturing from and acceptance from and approval from. And I tell you, sometimes I got it and many times I didn't. And there were so many wounds created by my father mm -hmm. in my life. And 
so much of my addiction came from that and trying to deal with the pain of what I went through with my dad. Fortunately, over the course of 20 years of sobriety and 20 years on the path, I got to make amends for all the wounds I caused my dad with 18 years of active addiction Mm -hmm. and the wounds I caused my mother and my sister and hopefully many, many other people in my life. Um, and, And in that, my dad and I started to heal. Now, my dad was always this really like very masculine energy also, but, you know, a lot of it unconscious. And he dealt with a lot through, that's kind of my filter on pain and fear and wounding and abuse comes through my experience of the father. And, and when I was, I went, I got an intuition January 25th and something said, you need to go home. My parents live in Georgia. And, and I went and I just said, okay, I got to go home. And I bought a ticket and I got home on February the 5th. And my dad's mind was starting to go. And there were some problems, right? And that's kind of what I was there for. And I didn't, I knew I was there to support him, but my mom was really scared. And so I ended up holding the space for her and helping her with some trust and healing and faith and my sister. And I just kind of came in and helped. And and what I've noticed over the past five years was this profound, my father and I met this level of respect. He respected and honored me as a man. And he started giving me love and nurturing in his own way as a 70 year old man that he'd never been able to give in his life. And that started creating healing. Well, back on November in November on um, Thanksgiving Eve, my dad, now I'd made all my amends to my dad. You were dad. at my house on Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah. And so Thanksgiving Eve, and I haven't told you this. So Thanksgiving Eve, the night before um, I was at your house, my, my dad calls and it's, he didn't call often. He texts once in a while, but I usually called him to yeah. talk, right? But he called it like seven, eight at night, which is like nine, ten his yeah. time, right? And and I I took the call because kind of like, oh, what's going on? My dad's calling, maybe something's wrong. And he goes, um, he said, son, I got to talk to you. And he said, um, my and this was a huge gift. I didn't know it was coming, but he said, my he said, you I just got done being reamed by your mother for the past three hours. My parents were were married fifty three plus years, and I said, okay. And he goes. And basically her just basically blasting me for 50 years of my mistakes, of the harm I've caused, of the wounds I caused you, wow. the wounds I caused her. And I have to apologize. And I went and I just settled in and opened my heart and got completely present to my dad. And um, he just, in his way, now my dad was never, my dad was a brilliant mind, an incredible entrepreneur, a very good thinker business-wise, and his ability to solve problems was profound, but he never developed any emotional intelligence, Yep. right? He just didn't. Yep. Wasn't his, he wouldn't do any kind of therapy. He wouldn't do any kind of healing. He wouldn't do any kind of work on himself, ever. Wait, what year was he born? 1946. Okay, my dad was born in 52. Yeah. yeah. And it just wasn't same, a thing back same. then, right? Yeah, it wasn't same. a thing. Like, no, yeah. men didn't do that kind nope. of shit back then, right? Nope. So it wasn't a part of the culture. And he went through a lot of trauma as a kid, profound yep. amount that he never would talk about, but my mom was able to share some with me. Anyways, I sat and held my dad with an open heart as he did everything he could to make amends to me yep. for, for my 50 years of yep. life, right? And uh, with him and, and, and bro, this would integrate over the next few days um, how profound that healing was and how much I needed that. And if you would have asked me before he called, were you and your dad complete? I would have said 100%, mm-hmm. but we weren't. Mm-hmm. And he completed that healing cycle or started it at a whole new level. Yep. So anyways, February 5th, I go home. 
to be with him and mom and sister for a week. And, and on February the 8th, um, I was out doing my morning disciplines on the back porch overlooking the lake because they live on the lake. And, and, and I had this, um, I'll, I can only describe it as an ascension. Um, something happened where I was in like a higher state of mm-hmm. a higher place, a higher plane. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about the matrix, right? Like I was, I was there mm-hmm. to where I could see everything mm-hmm. and I was not in the earth. And, and in that place, um, I had this integration of like, what I would have not, I didn't know that there were still wounds of the father in my little boy, mm-hmm. in my inner teenager, in my body. And, and, and I, George, I literally felt and saw those places as like shadow places. Like um, I just saw them like illumine with light and heal. And in that, I felt myself, this whole new energy come online. And I, I and now here's the thing. At the time, I was rereading, and this is an incredible book uh, for, for men and women, if you want to read it, um, King Warrior, Magician Lover. For the second time, so the first time 10 years ago, I did work with the book. I was yep. working with it again because I've been called to it right at this time. And I literally felt myself ascend into this king energy that I had never known where I was, I was completely in love Mm -hmm. in my heart. I was like, I felt, I experienced myself as benevolent, kind, loving, strong, courageous, like elements of the warrior were there. Um, and like, but also curious and like, there was none of the shadow aspects of the king or the masculine or even the boy Mm -hmm that I could experience in me. And I was like, and it was like, there was a complete healing and integration with my dad and some kind of completion that happened and an ascension that occurred with that completion. And I, this just was profound. And, and so I just kind of paused in that and was in that for the rest of the days that I was there with them. And I left on the 12th. We thought my dad was, was okay. Everything was fine. We thought his problem, my dad was alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Okay. I gotta be honest about that. 60 years of drinking, but high functioning alcoholic, the things that were going on with his mind, we thought were alcohol related, like different damage because of years Mm -hmm. of copious amounts of alcohol consumption. And, uh, so I was helping my mom and sister through that because I've worked with so many alcoholics. Right. And, and so I, we, my, now here's, what's crazy on the morning of the 11th of February, my dad walks out to my mom and I, and he goes, I have, I think I have a drinking problem. 76 years old, never once in his life admitted having a problem. Wow. And he says, I think I have a drinking problem. And I just, I just melted. I was so like, so yeah. proud of him. And I just, and I, there was no need to fix it. Right. No. It was like, no, I'm no. going to hold this. It was actually feminine energy. It was like, I'm going to hold the container for him yep. and love him in this. Yep. And I just said, I love you so much. I'm so, he said, and here's what he said. I'm going to learn how to control and moderate my drinking. Now, my experience is real alcoholics can't do that. Yep. But that step is so important. Thousand percent. You know what I mean? It's like that's awareness coming. Yep. Right. That's it. Yep. So awareness is the finish line. Yep. Yeah. So that was the the thing. And I was just like so touched by that. So was my mom and inspired and hopeful. But I also knew like, okay, you're going to have to go through a process now because you need to figure out that control and moderation probably aren't going to work. I yeah. thought this, yeah. but I didn't say it. Yeah. So anyways, the next morning I leave to come back to Montana. As I'm at my car, leave, in my rental car getting in to leave, he walks out. And my dad hugs me and he holds me and he says, I love you so, so, so much. 
And I said, I love you too, dad, with all my heart. And I asked him a question. I said, um, if, if, are you serious about, you know, this, this drinking thing? And he went, yeah, I am. And I said, well, if you needed help, would you be willing to get it? And he went, yeah, if I need it, I will. And I went, well, I'm here for you a thousand percent. Anything I can do to support you and I love you with all my heart. That would be the last lucid conversation I'd ever have with my dad. Mm -hmm. Two days later, Valentine's Day, he he ended up being admitted to the hospital because we thought what were many strokes. Next day, we found out upon a brain scan, an MRI, he had an actually a very aggressive brain tumor. Mm -hmm. This was February the 15th. March the 6th, my dad was gone that fast. It's just like, you know, we talked about this. Yeah. Because our dads are the same age. Yeah. March the 6th, I told you this in my house, but just the synchronicity of us being friends. March the 6th was the day my dad was diagnosed with metastatic brain and lung cancer because that was the day that he had his first seizure. And I got the Red Cross message. And February 5th is my dad's birthday. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm hmm. Because remember when you the were telling me, remember you were telling me, and oh, I was like I sharing some yeah. of the dates. The yeah. one I forgot to tell you was my dad's birthday because I wow. didn't know that was the day you flew home. That was the day I flew home. Yeah, and that started that. I mean, the process. Thank you for sharing. Oh, that. Of course. The, the the so the the process has been going on for years, right? It's yep. been such a long process of healing with him, and in the family system, and but that amends he made on on Thanksgiving Eve. Mm -hmm was like, here's, now here's a kind of, I didn't tell you this conversation. I even recorded it. He didn't know it was recording, but I just, happened, I just something said record this conversation. So on February the 9th, him and I were sitting out in his big man cave, right? Yeah. His, his like King's little castle. Yeah. And, um, and he said to me, he said, son, I'm dying. He knew. Yeah. He knew. I know. And I just held him in that. I mm -hmm. didn't try to save him or judge. I just held him. And yeah. that's one of the gifts of, of being able, I think, for us to be kind of like in our heart, in our presence, not in our fear. When people are bringing their deep, their deep shit to us, when we can hold that, it's such an honor and a privilege, right? To not have to fix or save it's or what, rescue. It's what makes me feel like I have a purpose. Yeah. Um, you know, my dad, um, you remember you talked about um, your dad clearing all that. Yeah. Um, when, when, when we got my dad home from the hospital, so he had a brain tumor, it grew and swelled so fast. He was paralyzed from the neck down within yeah. like two weeks after March 6th. Yeah. Then we did radiation for six weeks directly on his brain. So I got to witness his whole, like all of his skin get burnt off. I can't even imagine what God, it felt like. Because I'll never forget because it was in his brain. They had to make a mesh like Jason face mask. To the table of the machine and then it bolts his head in place oh my god so there's like That's zero intense. movement and then the, yeah. the whatever that so that thing can point at the yeah, exact spot yeah to like burn yeah the radiation or whatever um but then when he got feeling back his left toe became ischemic and then ended up amputating his leg wow george and so then they had initially given him a prognosis of like three months and we I think you probably felt this too. Like we had healed yeah. to the point where we respected each other as men. Yeah. And if you asked me if I was complete, yeah. I would have been complete yeah. until I got home and became his caregiver. Yeah. And when it went from dad to son yeah. to me now being the father, but with the awareness of healing the trauma yeah. and then the ability to hold the line, yeah. it, it was like world war three. Yeah. 
but I'll never forget too. Cause we had a moment and we came home from the hospital and he let out on me. I don't need you to take care of me. I don't blah, blah, blah. Oh. And like, and I flew back. We, and I'll never forget this. We yelled at each other for probably six hours straight. We were sweating. We had broken stuff and broken a house wow. window. Like we went to war wow. and we'd physically fought when I was a kid. So yeah, um, I get it. And so, um, but then what ended up happening is we both got so exhausted. I don't remember which one of us, but one of us cracked. Yeah. And then (laughs) I think I hugged him. We hugged and cried for probably three hours. And then I woke up the next morning and we were still holding each other in the bed. Oh my God, man. And that moment was like our whole relationship. But then you know how he had, your dad had that clarity the next day. The next day, my dad was a different man. Yeah. And he was like, you know, I need to call a few people. Mm-hmm. And bro, he just started making phone calls. And like, I would leave the house and I flew back and someone's like, you know, your dad called your mother. Like she was at the house. the other. I was like, what? And I was like, oh. and I was like, he knew. Yeah. He completely knew it because he was just at peace. But like, there was this massive wound and it was closure for him, which yeah. literally like allowed me to become a father. Yeah. Yes, it did. Bro. Yes, it did. I've the amount of tears <laughs> yeah. that I have, the gallons that have come out of my body around yeah. these thoughts, but like similar experience. And when you say those dates, dude, I still get like goosebumps in my fucking butthole. <laughs> I don't know. I don't it's care. The sphincter factor, no, dude. I, I don't even, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even want to call it the sphincter factor. I want it to be descriptive because there's like gooseies <laughs> in my butthole. And then I like, love oh, you, George. Oh, I love oh. you, George. <laughs> I love that, and that's yeah. a that's a good preframe. Yeah, it is. And and so, so yeah, go ahead. So thank you for thank you for that, dude. Because I didn't know all that. Yeah. And like that, I've actually, never talked about that. That is, and I haven't either. Yeah. And especially on this forum. I mean, this is also new, right? Um, and thank you so much for presenting that with me. Yeah, of yeah, course. Um, the okay. So now I then flew back on the twentieth. Yep. And it was there 20th through the 8th. Yeah. And um, there's a lot that happened in there. Um, the So speaking to what are we excited about now, what's happening now, remember the ascension that happened on the 8th? There, there was just a, a knowing of that, but yep. not a doing that I need to do with that yep. yet. Because I'm yep. still, there's something about me that there is, I've learned on the path and, and it's alignment with my human design, yep. right? Because I'm a generator. Yeah, me too. And so I... I just need to have my intention out in the universe yep. and then things come to me and I just need to respond to them. Yep. That's all I need to do. I don't need to go force anything because nope. when I've tried to force shit, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. Just like we tried to force our place in Montana doesn't work. and it took me doing it six times and Mike going, dude, you know, wake the fuck up, right? It's not working for a reason, yep. you know, for me to go, oh yeah, it's not. I keep trying to force something. So anyways, there was just being with that. And then of course I'm in this constant container of holding the space for my mom and my sister because my dad's declining dude my mom is falling apart on a daily basis yep and so i'm keeping her as much as i could in sanity yep right and helping her through this process because the decisions each day we think he's going to get better then he something changes and it's worse right yep and then it's like post, they did brain surgery. Like they literally went into, I mean, yep. huge craniotomy, did brain surgery. And they, all these hopes were given by the doctors about how much time we would have post. And they said, the prognosis isn't good yeah. because it's a, they actually said it's a glioblastoma, which is the worst of the worst, right? In brain tumors. And, and they said, it's going to come back, but they got 90% of it out and it was golf ball sized, right? In his right temporal lobe. Um, but here's the thing, man, he never came back. 
his his consciousness, his personality didn't come back. But what did show up in the last couple of weeks of his life, mm-hmm. my dad never got to be a little boy. Mm-hmm. He had his first job when he was six years old because his dad forced him to work. And this is in Gunnersville, Alabama. So, And then he was getting his ass kicked. He was getting beat by his dad. He was getting beat up by kids in the neighborhood, by his cousins yeah. who were bigger and picking on him. And so his whole life was a fight. Yeah. And he literally worked from the time he was six years old, so he never got to be a kid. And yeah. guess what? The last two weeks of his life, man, most of my dad was the energy of a little boy. Yep. And he was so precious and cute. Yep. And so we all, I realized like, oh my God, my dad's getting to be a boy. Yep. But I also realized where we were going. Yep. And so I got to be there through that whole process with him and my mom. Mm-hmm. We brought him home on March the 3rd in home hospice mm-hmm. because all the hopes and dreams yep. that were given by the doctors had failed. Yep. And it was, it was like imminent. Right. And on March the 6th um, at 8, 10 PM, my dad left his body and he, the last thing he ever said to us, um, he said at about six forty-five, cause he, he fell asleep and went in, off into to a, a sleep. He was not doing well, obviously, yep. but at six forty-five, he said to me, my mom and sister, he said, I love you all so, so much. It came out of him this tender little way. It's the last thing he said in his life. He went, he fell asleep around seven, a little bit after. And at eight ten, mm-hmm. I was holding his hand. My mom was holding his other hand. My sister was holding her hand and and her. And he just gently went away, man, Mm -hmm. passed away in his sleep. And and now I'm going to bring this back to what you just said, because this um, I've recently been following or been introduced to Mark Gaffney. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a profound spiritual teacher, mystery school teacher. And um, he's been talking about with Aubrey Marcus's mm-hmm. father passing right now at the same time. It's all this is so much is happening, man. Um, he, he brought me into an awareness of something brilliant. He, he talked about the pathology of the father. So that's our father in the 3d, right? The story, the trauma, the wound he said, but there, and this all clicked when he said it. And I, I'm not, I'm going to paraphrase it. So I don't have it as clear as I, I probably want to yet. Um, it just hasn't fully landed in me yet. The, he said, what happens in the healing of the father, uh, on the earth plane at the time of death creates an ascension into the father in mythology, the father in spirit, the idea of the Holy father. Right. And so the son gets to be blessed by the father and then assume the father role which you did mm-hmm. and I did mm-hmm. and we both got to do in the 3d mm-hmm. and then the blessings that then the blessings that I received when my dad left mm-hmm. were all the blessings of the father mm-hmm. and they all integrated within mm-hmm. me and and this and for you know I did a bunch of men's work like I said in recovery space right mm-hmm. but I've known for years I had to go into NLP because oh, here's part of why I trained NLP at the way I did, because at our second year of trainings, um, about a year into doing events, our whole attendance shifted to about 80% female. Mm. And I was such a model of my dad mm. in the sense of still being kind of hard mm-hmm. fire, rough around the edges, um, the, and in, unable to really hold compassion and empathy and 
yeah, it was always like push to change, right? Mm -hmm. In my way I taught and the way I showed up. And women showed back to me that was not the way all the time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I need to be really soft and gentle. And I had to learn that real fucking messily, bro. Yep, me too. Like, and, and so I learned that through being a teacher in NLP, with NLP because they showed me so much what I didn't know. They showed me so much of my shadow and that caused me to heal and painfully heal in that. And so this it was like full circle back around to the dad. Oh, once that has happened over the past eight years of working with women, uh, I, I now had to go back to complete the wounds of the father mm -hmm. and ascend into this new relationship to my own masculinity, my divine masculinity, the divine masculinity. And, and so when you ask what I'm excited about, well, I'm, I've known for years that I was going to be working with men in a new way, but again, I'm a generator and I, I don't know until I know. Mm -hmm. And so I've just known in my heart it would happen, but I've had no idea what it looked like because yep. it hadn't felt right yet. Yep. yep. And it all came together then. And, and so there's a book now that I'm writing. And, but the, I have a personal responsibility to being um, an agent, one of the agents on the earth right now, one of the kings, one of this king energy, because it's expressing other people. Steph's got it. You've got it. It, it expresses uniquely through the personality, right? Through the self. It does. Yeah. So it's not like everybody's not the same. No. But the, the energy is present. And like, and, I, and immediately when this happened, I saw it in so many of my friends and the kings that are around me and how they're helping to heal the world, how they're helping to heal the masculine. Mm -hmm. And, and so that, so that's, and you and I talked about this the other day in our intensive, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one circle. That's one thing that's happening right now. Now, what you don't know yet, but you said, what did you say the other day? You said, I'm fucking Nostradamus. I am. And I, you are. And you said, I, here's what I see happening. You're going to be in this king thing. Joni's in her warrior goddess queen because Joni has truly become my fucking queen, bro. Yep. Like, and she, I can't explain in words I how much it. I love and adore her and how fucking beautiful she is in every way and how I see her now. Like I never could see her because of my shadow, right? Because of my old shit, my old ideas, my old conditioning, mm -hmm. the old wounds of my father. And, and so she's coming into her own in her way and her mm -hmm. gifts are coming online expressing so beautifully. But what happened over the past seven days, and this just happened, um, was because we haven't known how men, what retreats we would do at Mandorla. We knew we weren't doing NLP trainings at Mandorla. We, we didn't, we know. Yeah, yeah, we knew we weren't, right? We knew we weren't. But Sorry, we, I'm being uh, a smart ass because he's my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love it. Bring it on. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, but we didn't know what's coming. So it's just like, again, intentionality and waiting, right? Yep. Until it shows and keep doing the steps, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Keep taking the next action. Uh -huh. And like you have taught us so well. And what downloaded the other morning, my morning, my mornings are my time, man. They're my uh -huh. sacred time, right? And I think we should all have sacred time for ourselves, right? Yes. All of us should have our own sacred time in our lives, right? Like find time for you to love you, to be with you, to be be with you, please. Yeah. <laughs> what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in that though, it it downloaded um the actually that Mandorla is a holy place. And we felt that all along. But the Mandorla is a whole a holy place, a spiritual place, and a healing place. And so that's what Mandorla is becoming. And we're actually, God, I don't know if I should say this. I'm gonna say it. I'm just gonna put it out and be courageous. Um, because it's so new. 
we're going to, we're, we, we, we know we're supposed to form as a church mm-hmm. and, and, and then what came online was creating Mandorla Mystery School, mm-hmm. which comes from my, I've been in Eastern teachings for many years with an Eastern teacher. And what came online was um, something I've been, I started studying Taoism back in like 2006. So there was a connection to there. There's a teaching in Taoism that says, um, you know, there's basically, we all have our paths in life, right? And so it's like, we're all riding these different donkeys. Like maybe you, you, one's on a Buddhist donkey, one's on a high performance donkey. I'm riding a unicorn. My you're, and you're on a unicorn, yes. right? And yes. then one's on a like Hindu donkey, but there's all these donkeys. And then we're riding up the same mountain, yep. right? And we're riding up the same mountain. And, and from that, we sometimes look and judge, oh, my donkey's better than yours, or your donkey's the wrong donkey, right? And it's like, hold on but we're all going to the same summit. Uh We're all going to the same summit. Uh So it's like it hit. And this teaching has been a part of my thinking for years and my pursuit and my open-mindedness to explore all kinds of paths. Right. And, and so what came to me in this was like, Oh, that's our responsibility. Now that's what Mandorla is, is it's, it's a place to bring the wisdom teachings of the East and the West Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. It's a place to bring the wisdom teachings of the spirit of the mind of the emotions and the body into one place for the purpose of connecting humans Mm -hmm. and ascending humans up in their own way so that they can have their own enlightenment in life, their own ascension, so that then that can come back down and they can express it uniquely through their personalities, through their Mm -hmm. self. So to say I'm excited, it feels like an understatement because it's like, it is the mission. It is everything that life is about now for the rest of life. And I know that in my whole heart. I'm glad the snow globe settled. It is settled. Settling. Yeah. It's settling. (laughs) Just for context, a week ago, was it a week ago? It was. A little over a week ago. Yeah. About, yeah. yeah, About a week ago, Scott and Joni were in my office for a, uh, me cramming a three day intensive into one day. Yeah. It Uh, was intense too. Um, I put their snow globes in a paint shaker and left it on for <laughs> nine hours. I told them it might take a few months for it to all settle, but it sounds like it's settling well. It really is. I'm going to have to start writing my predictions in envelopes and putting over-unders <laughs> on them with you and handing them to you because I haven't been wrong yet. You haven't, dude. And that's not my ego. It's just it's kind of funny. I was even gloating earlier when you were sharing with me about Joni. And I was like, and I remember the conversation in your living room. And I was like, I can tell you step by step exactly what this is going to look like. Yeah. This is hilarious. And then I was like, God, this is awesome. Yeah. So good. You're a profound visionary, brother. Oh, no. I just feel like I've made every mistake, <laughs> which makes me a profound visionary. <laughs> hey, the path, you know, the path is the path, right? How you got there is how you got there. I'm glad you're here. Oh, yeah. The universe gave me bumpers and it taught me every lesson on the way. So I guess you can, because I share it, you could call that vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Or okay. seeing. Yeah. yeah. We call it seeing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, there's a guy I was reading about the other day who woke up from a brain injury and he had studied like Chinese in high school, but woke up fluent in it. Wow. And I was like, God, yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this, you can just wake up with this language. It's a much easier path to, to learn vision that way. It is. Yeah. If you can. <laughs> It's a big if. It's a big, it's a big if. But it, hey, it, it can be done. So just be willing to try it. Just be willing to try be it. Be open to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I loved earlier what you said too, man. I, I think like, you know, as your friend, I, w- I will reflect this publicly and I don't think I've ever reflected this privately, but um, the softening that I've seen is also a strengthening of your structure Yeah. because I have witnessed like intensely 
the rigidity wounds being like taken away like yeah, that that was linear, my dad man was my yeah dad. That, was, like, i learned it from my dad yeah, yeah. and so i want to ask you a question about that as well because obviously that's something i had a breakthrough with a couple of years ago and like have really like integrated right and it's something that you see now is yeah. like really surrendering in what are some of the things that you do to help yourself every day to like really stay in alignment to like your heart mm -hmm. like that mind body spirit and soul sure but not from that place of like this is the only way right? Like how do you remind yeah. yourself of that or practice that? Well, I don't even think like this is the only way kind of exists in my thinking. Not anymore. anymore. Yeah. So it, it's, I'm in a flow place, like a real flow place right now, which mm -hmm. is pretty profound. Um, and, but like what are consistent things that I do? Yeah. Maybe a better way to ask it yeah. is now with these new behaviors, right? With yeah. these new awarenesses, what new practices or environmental design or behaviors have you put into place to hold yourself here? Okay, this is good. So one brand new one that just showed up, I want to share, yeah. which is um, it, it really incredible. We're literally just been doing it. Joni, I've been doing it for like three days now okay. because it came, we actually did a, a medicine ceremony yep, yep. the other night yep. and had an incredible uh, experience of connection. And I won't go into all that right now. Joni and I will probably be talking about that a lot on the, the podcast that we're, we're creating. But um, the we, we I learned um, in this experience, like I started to notice when I would contract or I would close to something. Like yep. Joni saying something in a certain way and all of a sudden I start to close to it, yep. right? Yep. And I noticed that that was a form of armor. Like the wearing... The, the warrior will, if we show up as the lover in the warrior, we're wearing armor, mm -hmm. right? And so the warrior doesn't need to be there if we need to be the lover. Yep. And, and in the lover, because I realized in this, this change that all the archetypes, like the warrior, the magician, and the lover are all born out of the king. Mm -hmm. So that's where they come from, right? In their congruent, aligned, higher expression. And, and so what I noticed the other night, we were doing this real connection ceremony in the love room. We were actually doing it in the context of, of like our both healing the divine mother yep. and having feminine divine energy within us and how to hold that for both of us. And, and what I realized was like when I, and it's just that self-awareness of knowing when I start to contract, uh, I, if I say to myself, open, I anchored myself really quickly to open and open means pull the armor off immediately and open into the vulnerability of the moment. Like, yep. and so Joni and I have just, all of a sudden we've started doing that. Like something comes up, yep. like just a little bit of resistance or a little bit of ego. And, yep. and it's like, and then we'll just say to each other, open, open. And like, and immediately it's an anchor to go, oh, yep. and open up. And that, that is a new practice, which is profound in awareness. It's a joint SOS, my friend. It, Wow, that's epic, man. That's exactly what it is. Uh, so we're doing to, that in partnership. To right? my entrepreneurs that either run businesses together or both run businesses separately, yeah. I have them make an SOS together so they can pattern interrupt each other so they can respect the container You're of the business. So brilliant, man. Um, and I, 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 love, I love that. Now, thinking about that now, right? Yeah. You don't think the same that you did, let's say, six months or a year ago, but we know that behavior because we coach that behavior. Sure. Now, if you were to meet yourself 12 months ago, like what's a new behavior that you would give him to mm -hmm. allow him to find this awareness? Because the only reason mm -hmm. that the open works mm -hmm. is because now there's an awareness that the armor was there on the heart. Sure. And so thinking back, like what what could are there any practices you would give yourself now if you were coaching that that would help you find that awareness? Absolutely. And so it'd be like this. First of all, this presupposes that the person I was coaching or yep. if I was coaching myself had the ability to be self-aware of kinesthetic 
response, somatic response. 1000%. So like you were talking about that earlier, right? Like noticing when, like the first thing you notice was like a knot in your stomach. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the most subjective experience because it's not even a label of an emotion. It's a kinesthetic, there's a a tightening right in the body. The body's responding to something. So that's, and the body has so much wisdom. It does. Yeah. And so we, and now we have, we live in an age where so many people are very in their conscious mind and they don't have a real connection to their body. So this presupposes you got to have a connection to your body if I was coaching this. So right? that's step one. Yep. So yep. if you're listening to this, right. So like I'm, a reason I'm doing this is because there's, there's levels to this, right. Yes. And so yep. the how listening to this is like, if that's new to you, then step one would be having an awareness practice to bring awareness to emotions in your body. Yep. Right. And even doing, or even like this, maybe if I was teaching somebody new that yep. I would actually teach them to do a body scan process yes. to where you sit and either like sit in a chair, sit half Lotus on the floor or lay down flat and like yep. the Shavasana pose from yoga, right? Lay down and then just scan from the tip of your toes. Yep. Every bit, your toe, your foot, like bring awareness that focused into that part of your body yep. and feel what you feel in it, right? Yep. And notice, is there any tension? And then you can even say to yourself, relax. Yep. And you can relax the foot, right? Yep. Then go into the ankle, yep. go into the calf, go into the knee and start noticing because yep. there's tension all in the body, uh-huh. man. And uh-huh. we it gets built, right? It does. Yeah. So that would be the first thing I would I do. I want to start... edify that though yeah. real quick. Okay. I want everybody listening to this right now to understand something. There's a lot of millionaires listening to this podcast right now that have been stuck with hows for the last year. That one thing alone is the only how you need. I want you to hear me. That awareness to acknowledging the emotions might lead to clarity. It might lead to, it might just be, I'm sad. It might be, I'm angry. It might be, I'm upset about this. It does not matter. This is the only first step. That's it. Is that body check. Yep. And what's so funny is I had my EMDR therapist yep. when we were making anchors for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was missing the body connection because I had numbed as a defensive mechanism to the PTSD, the trauma, all that stuff. Right. And then I was like, well, numb, I can't feel cause I'm numb. And he's like, numb is a feeling. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. That was the first time as Matt Damon and Goodwill hunting in my life, I felt defeated and yeah. I didn't have a comeback. That was the one that broke wow. me. Cause that was my, that was the hill I was dying on is yeah. that I was an alien. Yeah. I couldn't feel it was all out of me. Like yeah. it was ruined it was out of me. It was, it was gone. gone. Broken. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and now I'm a little pansy because I have nothing to compare myself to most of the incredible humans I've met. So besides the point beautiful man. of that one, which even made me lose my train of thought, which is hilarious. Um, but bringing people back to that, I think the awareness of that body scan is the oh, first the, step. Oh, the body yep. scan. So yep. what, he yep. used to, what he used to make me do is I, I was would really, really struggle. He's like, look at your hand. Mm-hmm. And he's like, talk to me about your hand and i'd be like oh it's there and he's like no no, no. like explain to me look deeper and i'm like oh there's lines he's like what about them and i was like and then I, like one day it hit me and i was like i've never even looked at my own fucking hand mm-hmm. like i've never actually never even connected looked with yeah, yes. like at my hand wow. like looking at it and like okay like i get that i can move my fingers but like every scar every line like the pattern the texture the skin wow. And he would have me start doing this when I was getting really triggered. And this was before we even worked on undoing any of the trauma. But every time it would be like, boom, I'd like literally like get into a panic attack, like the worst of my triggers and PTSD. And I would just even open and you were just cracking the lid and it was all trying to spring out. And then I would like look at my hand and all of a sudden I would feel better. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) What? And like when I say like it's so simple, but I just pretended it had to be hard for so long. Because I, and you've heard me say this so many times, and and this is where this came from. I say that your level of healing doesn't have to match your level of trauma. 
Wow. And the reason I say that is for years, like it was so easy for me to know now, like now I just do a body scan instantly yep. and it's almost instantaneously better. But for years, like that was at my disposal, but I was convinced that there was another path or another way yep. and I would always overcomplicate it. Sure. And now I'm like, oh, do the body scan. So do the body scan. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was like, but the, look at what you you just described, what you are now is you're unconsciously competent, right? Yes. You moved to that. And the Eisenhower but, matrix. At, but, but at first, right, you didn't even know that was a thing. So you were unconsciously unco- incompetent. Exactly. Right. Yes. Don't even know it's a thing. Nope. Don't know that I don't know. And then, and so that's the thing in starting, no matter where yep. you are, like if, even if you're, as of now, here's the thing. Now everyone because we've shared this idea who did it was aware is now what consciously incompetent right yep. they, they know okay now i got a thing i know i don't know how to do it yet but also like you can literally do the first thing today which moves you into conscious competence to where you start practicing yep, exactly right? and then you do that enough and then you become unconsciously competent and then it just comes a thing and then the funny part is like what's funny is we've probably referenced eight models today yeah. that all say the same thing and for yet sure. we all go look for more to consume we do and i'm like oh god why did I make this so hard? Yeah. Oh, because I wouldn't have had this awareness if I didn't make it hard. That's the and paradox that, that, of the game. It is. And it's back to that thinking place to where it's still, I still need more information to understand. Uh-huh. Right. And so when you can just say, oh, fuck, simplify it. Right? Yeah. Take this one thing and do this one thing. That one thing leads to expansion. It leads to the next thing. One of, one of my new things for myself, because I do these things to myself all the time. Mm-hmm. My new thing is when I ask why, my, my immediate answer to myself is your why is preventing the why. There you go. And like, that's for me yeah. because like I spend a lot of time in reflection, mm-hmm. just thinking, but I'll totally over when I find myself and like, oh, well, why did that? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 because it's preventing my action, right? There you go. I have actually found that if I, a trigger for me is if I get into the point where I'm asking why, I already have all the clarity I need. Like, why is my new trigger? Okay, good. That's the trigger of like, get into action or get, you know, and so it, but it just speaks to those levels. Yeah, it does. It does. And that's one of the, you know, I love that you know not to ask why, or you realize that's what comes from it. We say it in like, literally from the outset, like day two in just our foundational training right don't ask why ever never like give it up ever. no more why it only begets more reasons excuses stuff in the way there's right? a fine there's a fine in our event room for asking why really what's oh, the this fine is, this is a thing like there the people have ptsd around why like somebody on the first day put their hand up they're like don't, don't tell me you're about to ask why and they're like why they're like you're gonna learn <laughs> i love it and of course i'll answer why but it's changing the the paradigm of like well and like you know my whole thing is that our job is to teach you the science, the applications, the art. Yep. You're asking me how to do the art. You are. Yep. And you're the only one who can paint the picture. That's right. right. But That's if the you, unique self. If you yep. have the rules of the game, yep. here's the seven laws, yep. then how you paint those laws is your expression. Beautiful. But I think a lot of people ask why about the art instead of asking why about the science. Wow. Right. And you can, I will always answer the why about the science. Well, why does this work in customer journey? Why does this matter here? Why does this, why should I do this? I don't have that answer. No, that's in you. No, that's That's in you. you. I'm like, go get a Sharpie right on your mirror coach and go ask until you find it. Cause I can't answer that one for you. And I think, yeah, that was a big breakthrough too. So body scan being numero uno. So, so that, like the thing about that is that what that does is it starts to point us into a relationship with self, right? That's the thing. I mean, we, what is personal development? I mean, we could define that on a lot of levels in a lot of ways, especially in today's world. But like for me, it's what am I developing? Yeah. What is being developed, right? It's it's the self. Yep. It's me. Yep. Ultimately, for what purpose? To become a sovereign, autonomous lighthouse. being. Lighthouse. There you go. 
right? Because then we're not codependent. We're not even independent. We're present as autonomous beings and we work interdependently in context, right? And and that is is the path. So that's why we do it, right? So that first step wherever we are is getting to connect with self, right? Then a next step could be, okay, releasing the tension through relaxation, but then that will cultivate awareness, right? Such that we start noticing triggers because we got to notice triggers at some point, Uh you know, the shit that when you walk in, like say you, you are my partner in business and you walk in and your fear because you're having a bad day or we didn't, we lost a deal. Uh Right. And then I get scared and go Uh into it. And all of a sudden we're in this fucking fear cycle together. Right. Then to have any awareness go, Oh shit, what's that feeling in my gut that just went like a vice. Oh, that's fear or, oh, that's terror. Yep. Right. Oh my God. I don't think we're going to be okay. I don't think yep. we're having enough. And we have to go in and go, what is this? That's the next step. What is this? Yep. What is my body telling me? Yep. That then, if we ask those questions, I mean, we all think in different ways, yep. right? Yep. And it's still, if we will ask those questions, our primary way of representing information, whether it be visual, auditory, yep. auditorily, or kinesthetically, yep. we will get answers. Yep by questioning what's inside us right so it's that's the next thing bringing it from physical awareness of just tension in the body into what is the meaning of this specific trigger and this reaction and what's it pointing to and i think there's an important thing for everybody to like this took me a long time to recognize i maybe it's not important for you it was important for me but i won't speak for you um on a podcast a couple episodes ago my buddy neil was on and he runs an incredible supplement company but he talked about this Mm -hmm. as well and the questions he asked himself were like okay you know, what's the feeling? What am I making up about this? Yeah. Right. And what's the story? What's the story? Yeah. Right. And then he's like, what story do I want to make up about this? And yeah. how do I want to feel about this? Yeah. Right. And it's, it's an incredible, incredible place. But here's the thing that I recognize. And, and like I said, I, I, full disclosure, I simplify things to stories and analogies you do. to make them easier for me to remember. Yeah. Cause they hold me accountable. But the one that always landed for me is the, is the Google maps analogy. Right. And it's like, I want to heal and I want to grow. That's why I'm choosing to live, right? And so that means that the muscle of myself, and mm-hmm. I say this, that everybody spends time building relationships except for the one person they're guaranteed to spend the rest of their life with, which is themselves, right? And so like my relationship with myself is a muscle, right? Yeah. So if I understand any level of science, if I'm not growing my muscle, my muscle is dying. Mm-hmm. So if I say I want to live, I can't be stagnant. I have to choose growth. Mm-hmm. And so I have to choose that relationship with myself over mm-hmm. and over and over again. But the thing about it is it's not hard. It's like simple. Like you talk about this path of like ascension. It, it That game comes from recognizing that you're already walking the path. That's right. Like this step is a chapter. And, and, we're, and honoring where you are on the path, right? The, and, and so the analogy yeah. is it's like, hey, if... Scott and I are like, hey, let's go to Boston. Mm -hmm. If I open Google Maps right now and put in the destination of 27 King Street, North Fork, Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. we no longer own the house. That's where I grew up. Um, And I hit go. It will not go anywhere Mm -hmm. until I put in the current destination. That's right. And so irregardless, if the feeling comes up and you avoid it, it's Mm -hmm. going to cause more pain until it it forces you to acknowledge the current state, which would be required to fix it. Agreed. So when you can start to name it and ask these questions, you're bringing the current state up to the front, which is actually collapsing how quickly you're going to solve it, heal it, and integrate it, and how much collateral damage you're going to remove. Exactly. And so when I say awareness, it's like, what is like at any moment mm -hmm. before any decision, where is the starting location in your map? 
Wow. Mentally, Beautiful. physically, yep. emotionally, and in your body. Yep. Right. And it's like, hey, I know if I have like a proposal sitting on my desk mm -hmm. and like my head feels good about it, but my stomach's churning, like I should not respond to that proposal. Okay. I need to go figure out what's out of alignment. Like, Agreed. Why am How I often... about to sign the biggest deal of my life and my stomach is churning? There's probably a reason I should look into this. Heck yeah. You Heck know what yeah, I mean? There's a wisdom there, right? Something's telling me something, right? And, and, that... and even if it's not, it's like, hey, did you check this? Maybe yeah. you should just look into this, right? Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know, that's and, and it's we talk about this, obviously, like if one of the intentions um, behind uh, NLP, especially we, we teach what we call conscious NLP, yep. meaning we are... Our, our intention in teaching this work is solely for evolution of yep. consciousness, yep. right? Yep. Um, and, but, but from a field perspective, it's about integrating the conscious and unconscious mind. Yep. It's making us completely aware of what's unconscious within us, right? So yep. it's like that feeling, that contraction is showing us something that's out of conscious awareness. And yep. if we can be conscious of it, then that's, that, that's closing the gap between here and the destination, right? Yep. It's like, okay, that's there. What is it? And then as we get clarity on what it is, then we can know what the, the doing is with yep. that, right? Yep. It may just be that it dissipates in the knowing, or it may be like all of a sudden there's some cathartic freaking crying and screaming and wailing and gnashing of teeth but it's like oh shit i need to do something deeper with this this uh -huh. is a deep wound this yep. is something real maybe i need to go get some help yep. maybe i need to get some assistance because if, if we have some awareness around this showing up we can realize how much collateral damage that can have in our life or maybe we even get the gift of seeing how much it's already created in the past thousand percent right and then that can motivate us to change thousand percent yeah and i and i think you know because we got to start landing this plane yeah um but i think like a really good undertone that i'm hearing a ton is is like this awareness agreed right like it's this you know for me what it what it feels like my current season is this like kind of obsession with being the engineer of my own f1 race car wow right like i watched that I, at the last event or two two events ago i played a interview i think i told you about this where mike tyson interviewed Sadhguru. yes and it's like one of the most pattern interrupting interviews you could ever watch <laughs> when those two worlds collide. I mean, that's a got to be incredible. It is. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll send it to you. Please do. Um, but, you know, it's it's so simple how the simplest things work. But Sadhguru explains this concept of relationship with self. He's like, what, what's so funny about a human is he's like, we get issued this vehicle and then we get on basically the Autobahn and floor it <laughs> and then get upset about why we crash. But then instead of understanding how to drive it better, we just get back in the car and floor it. And he's like, not once have you ever taken the time to understand that you got issued a vehicle, you got issued a vessel, that you exist, but you don't ever take the time to look at the owner's manual. Wow. There's a reason it's telling you things. There's a reason you're not sleeping. There's a reason your stomach is churning. There's a reason you have pain in your hand. And you might not be able to solve it, but it is your vehicle. Yeah. And the function and the operation of that vehicle is your responsibility. And the more integrous wow. it is, just like you understand in any logical level of anything, the more integrous at the foundation you are, the more it waterfalls and trickles down everywhere. It does. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to say this on every fucking podcast for the rest of my life, and hopefully it's another hundred years. Um, it will be. <laughs> if you're going to look at the people that are successful, if you're going to look at what they do and where they spend their time, look at what they're doing in that time. And the more I'm in this game, the more I'm just smacked in the face with the reality that everybody that I admire has the most loving, deeply admirable, respecting relationship with themselves. There you go. And the more they obsess about it, yeah. the more everything else in their life works. 
you know, there's a question that came to me years ago, man, that has been a contemplative question many times and a question that I've even done when just in the moment of, of things being triggered or me feeling like I didn't love myself or I shamed myself or I beat myself up. This question is anchored in my psyche. Um, can I love myself the way I am and the way I'm not? Yes. And, and like that question as embodied, man, when we can love ourselves the way we're not, right? Like mm -hmm. a full acceptance of our warts, mm -hmm. our shadow, mm -hmm. our unconscious shit, yeah. right? And love Goose, that. Goosebumps in your butthole. Goosebumps in your butthole. <laughs> That's what we're calling this show. <laughs> hey, team, show title, if you're listening to this, we don't edit this on the podcast. We can just call this show Goosebumps in Your Butthole. <laughs> I love it. There's a marketing uh, lesson in there for you somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> I'll tell you in the future when I figure it out. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's I think that's huge, man, because really like I, I think I've just gotten to a point where I don't want to live in a in a world that I'm in charge of creating that allows me to believe my mediocrity. Right. And so when I surround myself with this stuff constantly, I'm like the most simplistic form. And even what you're saying is like, can I love myself for who I was and also who I'm choosing to be? Yeah. But both of those share one thing in common. To do both, they still require action. I do. And it's like this, like for me, I just keep trying to collapse these back doors where I've had to like stagnate or hide. And, you know, like I'm, I've just God. been obsessed about it because I feel like I just made it so hard. And like, I, I understand and I've coached the term unattachment for so many years. Sure. And, you know, when I was going through this current situation, which you guys are all aware of it, it's just some things that have collapsed together and some clarity you'll hear about in a year or so. Mm -hmm. um, but really I taught it and I taught it and I never understood it. And I was going through this and, and, and I was kind of role playing every conceivable scenario. And I mean mm -hmm. the worst of the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. And I just kept getting hitting with anxiety for like one reason. And it was all around attachment. Of course. And so then I assigned myself an assignment that I'm going to, I'm going to very own this right now that I've probably assigned to like a hundred people and I've refused to do myself. Oh, this is good. <laughs> and I've never needed to do it myself because I've always been able to get out of it. But I went and I, 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 I forced myself to reflect. And I thought of every hard moment I could remember from my earliest memory. And then after I labeled the moments, I was like, I wanted, I wrote down how I felt, like how I described it. Like, oh my God, my world was over. I was going to lose my wife. Mm -hmm. I was going to lose my kids. Mm -hmm. And then I went and wrote down what happened, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And every one of those moments that I was completely petrified of shared one thing in common. I was afraid of losing everything. Yeah. And then when looking, I was so afraid of it, I basically had to lose everything to win. Wow. And I lost it all and I regained it and rebuilt it all faster every single time. Wow. And then I was like, are you really going to look here and believe this shit that your only fear is that you're going to lose everything when you claim to want nothing? And then I got to really sit with myself on like what I wanted. And I was like, I have everything I need. There you go. Like everything. There and I go. was like, I don't care. And I was like, somebody interviewed me the other day. I'm like, listen, if somebody called me and asked me for a number and it meant selling my business to save their life, I'd wire them tomorrow. Like I really, you would. You I would. really don't care. No, no, you don't. <laughs> I really don't. And it has been like, the most freeing feeling. But when I really took the time to be integrous and look at my life in 39 years, I've yet to been able to conjure up or think about a scenario that could come to me that I haven't already handled. There you go. 
I just was refusing to look at the evidence that fed the right wolf. Yeah. Wow. You know, uh, so thank you for that, man. And a question for you, like in those places of like, I really don't care because somebody could hear that in a way that like, Oh, it's, it's a paradox. A kinda, yeah, it is. But like it also, and, and so to know, cause I know it's, there's no insensitivity in that. There's no, that's that. No, there's I, only, so what is, and, and I'm just from your model, of the world and your reality. Yeah. What is the essence of that? I mean, is yep. it faith? Is it I can, trust? I can what explain is it in one sentence. It, it. Uh, I measure myself based on the integrity and quality of my inputs, not the results they create. Wow. Say that again so everybody can hear it again. I measure myself based on the integrity and intention uh-huh. of my inputs, wow. not the results that they create. So when I go into something like this podcast and I'm yep. like, hey, Scott, come down. Yep. When we are done, no matter what I do for the rest of the day, as long as I look at it, I was like, my intention was to do this on this show. And I was like, I was honest. I was truthful. Like I played. That's it. Whatever is created, I am unattached to. And like, I learned that lesson in business. So the reason I've been able to rebuild everything over the last couple of years is like, when I lost everything in COVID, Mm -hmm. I did the one thing that wouldn't make money. I launched this podcast. Mm -hmm. That was my intuition. That was my gut, right? I followed that. I did that everywhere except for in the intrapersonal relationships in my life. There you go. And so what was happening is that I would say like, I'm unattached but my behaviors were attached to some outcome. And so what was happening is I would only share 95% of my truth because I was afraid the other 5% would cause damage. Mm -hmm. It did (laughs) on both sides. And then when I share mine, it causes none. There you go. And I was like, oh, because it has nothing to do with the result. It has everything to do with how I play. There you go. And so when I say I don't care, it's because I know that like, let's say my goal is a hundred thousand dollar launch. It's guaranteed okay. because I know my intention is clear and I know exactly what inputs I'm going to create. And so if I make a hundred, great, I might make 20, but I'm going to celebrate the 20 because then there's a few things that I missed that I can solve to get to the hundred. If I hit 500, it's great. But like I use the analogy of like, you can go look at any sport in the world Mm -hmm. and you look at a champion the moment they won their first championship Mm -hmm. and you can predict the future of their career based on their behavior after that fight. And if you look at the ones that went and celebrated and said, I've already made it, they all lost. And if you looked at the ones that said, I have a lot more to learn, they always won. Humility in that. Yeah. Right. And so I think for me, I recognize that no result in this world that I create is permanent. Of course. And so nothing's permanent. So nothing's good. permanent. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so when I say like I don't care, mm-hmm. meaning that like if I was to lose a company tomorrow, mm-hmm. that doesn't change anything except I have a lot more time in my calendar to make a new one. There you go. Right? Beautiful reframe. And yeah. so like when I when I really, really think about that, if I'm gonna claim to say that this is a game and I have what I want in my life and I have everything, then I have to be willing to play by the rules of the game that I love. Okay. And I can't predict business. I cannot predict marketing. I cannot predict social media. And to think that I could and then to hinge my results and my self-worth on that prediction is just a guaranteed path to failure. And so, yeah, do I want to set a goal of like, oh, I want to deadlift 450 pounds? Of course I do. But if in a year, if I deadlift 405, am I really going to fucking complain? Oh, you're going to celebrate. Of course I am. But then here's the funny part. I'm really not. I'm going to get back to work. Sure. And and you were never attached to the 450. I was never attached to the 450. So can I can I bring this? So let me say one more thing yeah. that I would do, yeah. right? No matter where you are, because um, uh, this is something that I learned years ago. and something I say. It's one of my things, right? Um, setting 
setting our intention each day is the most important thing we yes. can do. And it, I'm so glad I asked you that question because you shared that integrity and intention yep. are what matters, not results. Because in, in setting our intention, you know, that sends out a crystal intention to the universe. Yep. And if we are free of attachment, yep. then the intention manifests in the way it does. And we get to receive how yep. that shows up to yep. us, right? And like this thing, I think one of the very, well, it's about the same time Mark started to teach me meditation, in 2006, he also brought me into awareness of a concept of attachment. Yep. And uh, he, he first gave me a book called The Way to Love by yep. a Jesuit priest named Anthony DeMello that started to teach me the nature of emotional attachment. Later on, I'd study Buddhism and I found out the story and the history of the Buddha is when the Buddha became the Buddha, he actually got it. And he said this, he said in, in Sanskrit, but he said everything is dukkha and dukkha in Sanskrit means suffering. And what he meant was our attachment. Anything we're attached to is suffering. Yep. So when we, and this is funny, right? It's paradoxical because if you're attached to the good, trust me, because everything's impermanent, what's good is going to become not good. Yep. So the attachment creates uh-huh. suffering. Uh-huh. And if you're attached to the bad, that's suffering, right? So it's all suffering. So intention and integrity. Well, because it's like with the garden, if all you do is stare at the strawberries, they're going to stop growing. Sure. You literally just have to realize they're growing and then go back to watering and seeding. That's it. And so like, you know, for me, it's like when I really, really think about it, because like even the foundation to be unattached requires that you have integrity with your intention and your input. 100%. Right. And so, so it's like when you're coaching, right, as a coach, my job is not to tell you what you want to hear. It's to help you see the path, but in a place that you can receive it. Yep. There are times that that requires saying things or holding lines and boundaries. You just did it with me on the break. I did do it yeah, with you on the break. Quick, yeah, and I honored and received it. I did. Right? And yeah. I to check somebody like Scott requires you be really clear uh-huh. <laughs> and grounded in what you're checking. Yeah. Right? And I shared something very personal with him. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I think you might want to fucking look at this. And yeah. he's like, received. And you did it in that powerful fucking masculine king energy, man. Yeah. And, but you did it from your heart. But all power. And right. the reason I say that though, is I was about to say something to Scott and I was like, let me check my integrity with this because when I share it is the de- determining factor of whether it works or not. Yeah. Because what I shared with you could only be shared in the way that I shared it because I've already fixed it. There you go. If I haven't, I would have been like, Hey man, there's something I'm working on and I'm noticing it in you too. Yeah. And so this unattachment, people ask me how all the time. Mm-hmm. I said this to a client the other day and they were like, this is going to triple my business. And they're like, how do you get on a sales call with somebody or pitch them knowing that you want to sell them, but mm-hmm. you don't have any ill intentions? So I was like, oh, I tell them that up front. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, I think I can help you. Mm-hmm. And I would eventually probably love to exchange money, but I believe in helping first. And so can I steal 20 minutes to see if this is helpful? And then when I start helping, I'm like, hey, and listen. Mm-hmm. In about a year, you're going to want to write me a check. I'd say a minimum of 50 would be good, up to 10 million, <laughs> but I'm not attached to it. But I might as well be open because I'm not going to complain. And then they laugh at me, but like I'm really being in integrity. You are. I love that about you. And bro. then it allows me to remove all attachment because yep. I've been clear and then I put myself and in Your up. intention integrity is so clear. I'm just here to help. Yep. And then because I'm not attached, I'm not saying anything to them of like, because I want them to think of a certain way or feel a certain way. I'm saying mm-hmm. what I think I know, but I can only say that because like when I said it to you, mm-hmm. 
I was like, oh, because if he says, I don't agree, it's not going to bother me because I'm clear. And, and if he says, if I do agree, we can talk about it, but it's still not going to bother me because I'm unattached. Beautiful. And so my level of integrity with what I'm sharing or what I'm saying is what allows me to be unattached now. Wow. And I've found that in the places where I'm attached, there's a moment of my truth that's missing in that container. A hundred percent. And so that's been my obsession lately in like finding my check engine lights is finding those pockets. God, beautiful, man. So I think we're going to wrap there because that was a good one. We'll have to do round two, three, four, because that was two and a half hours. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Beautiful. And I have to pee again. Me too. Okay, cool. <laughs> so um, tell everybody the best place to find you. Obviously, we'll do this again, but I know Instagram's sure. the best place and right, you love right connecting now, with people. Yeah, I love connecting with people. IG. So at Scott Jackson OG. At Scott Jackson OG. And here, place to find me. here's what I'll say. If Scott said anything that resonated with you, reach out, um, shoot him a DM. He's yeah. a he's a people people. He he uh, he has a pretty bright lighthouse as well, and he's a relationship speed algorithms guy. For sure. And uh, I'll have a I'll have a I'll have the lady come down, and I'll have her on a solo show too. Oh, definitely gonna have Joni on the show. They're yeah, gonna love Joni. We she will we so will we will special. do that. I will get the uh, I will get the king and queen. The king and queen of Mandorla. <laughs> king and queen of Mandorla. Thank you, my brother. Uh, thank you honor. for being here. Yeah, man. And I'm going to ask you one last question to wrap the show. So right. uh, for everybody, so it's Scott Jackson OG mm-hmm. on Instagram. Make sure you shoot him a DM. And listen, um, if anything landed for you today, even if you want takeaways, just send them to him because they'll fill his bucket. Yeah, anything sure. he said, any any anything Please. that he can do. Yeah. Um. So I just you know normally I frame this. You've seen Men in Black, right? So imagine everybody listening to this entire show just got Men in Blacked. Mm-hmm. And they forgot everything that you said. But in this moment, you have the ability to tattoo wisdom on their soul. They'll take with them for the rest of their life. What would your tattoo wisdom be? Wow. Pursue the path of loving yourself the way you are and the way you're not. Mm. That's a fortune cookie going in my retirement plan. <laughs> I'm opening that fortune cookie business, man. I love it. And I'm going to make a book recommendation on that one. If anything landed in you today and and love like in self-love, uh, I'm going to recommend Camille's book, uh, Ravikant, highly love yourself like your life depends on it. It's an incredible wow. read with an incredible story. Wow. So make sure you shoot Scott a DM. Um, if you have any questions for me, shoot me a DM. If you want Scott back on the show, shoot me a DM. Of course, it will happen. Uh, if you have any questions for the next show, shoot me a DM. Basically, I'm begging you to slide into my fucking DM. So will you please <laughs> fill my bucket because my ego is feeling a little underinflated and I miss you. So that's me begging and being really honest. I miss you. Slide into my DM so I can feel my little insecure bucket with love. Okay, oh, cool. Thank you all for letting me be here and connecting with you. And brother, um, thank you. Of course, I, man. I love you, man. I love you, brother. It's an honor. It's a gift. Hanging out in my office and just doing podcasts. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just trying to avoid this UTI. So I'm going to wrap the show now. <laughs> so <laughs> right, bye. Uh, my pink boots have to run to the bathroom. I love and appreciate all of you. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms. And just as a untimely reminder for me to be a broken record, especially the one with yourself. Mm. We might've talked about that a little bit today. And as always, here's a reminder. Don't let anything in today's episode be shelf help. You heard something, you felt something, you got clarity on something. Don't worry about the rest. Just go take action on that one and come earn the right to get back into this one. And so if you need anything, you know how to get a hold of us, but it's time for us to end the show. So let's cue that pretty outro and I'll see you guys, or you'll hear me in your earballs in the next episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. 
please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.